Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 129. And today we're here with Brad from Aerospec Racing. Brad, thank you for coming, man. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Thanks hey, for thank you for the gift, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I just wanted to give you something for the studio. I Dude, appreciate I, I, I got to check this out again. So it's a, it's a carbon fiber coaster with the logo inside. This is awesome, man. Thank you. I yeah. really appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. So, um... If you can, please give us a quick breakdown of who you are and what you do. Uh, so my name is Brad. I run uh, Aerospec Racing solely. Uh, so I do composites, uh, carbon fiber. I really started messing around with fiberglass initially, mm -hmm. um, and then just moved to carbon. So um, it's it's a long story, but just a breakdown. Like everything that I do is 100% carbon. I don't mess with fiberglass. There's no fiberglass backing. There's no gel coat. There's I just, I really want to focus on 100% carbon. So, now there's some applications where core material might be necessary. Yeah. Right? But uh, um, right now, like, there's something that, like, I'm working on just because it's, it, it, it seems to be what the industry wants, right? Like, uh, it was a, a fluke that I stumbled upon, the emblems. Yeah. Just kind of stumbled upon it, right? And then it just took off. And so... That's the bulk load of my work. It's not actually my intentions to do that uh, 100%. Yeah. Right? It's just, it's what the community wants. And actually, I initially tried to cancel them. I was like, oh, I'm going to stop doing these. And then every kind of was like, oh, no, don't cancel them. Like, you know, why yeah. why would you cancel something that's doing so great? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But <clears throat> so anyway, um, just 100% carbon fiber um, parts. Uh, initially, it, I got into it by designing something out of clay. I sculpted it out of clay. And then I started, I just started posting it. It was never my intention to create a business whatsoever. Like, and it just organically happened, which is great, you know? Yeah. Um, but basically for just in short is I make composites. If you want to know the whole story and how that works. Oh, we'll definitely yeah. dive into it. Yeah. Oh, those are the best businesses where it just pops out of nowhere. And yeah. you just see that opportunity and you just take it. You know? Yeah. So um, when we started following you, that's when I noticed uh, like the emblems. Yeah. You're doing a lot of those emblems and the work was very clean, man. Very clean and detailed. Even you would get like very close up shots of yeah. it. And it's the, the work is really clean. Um, so you're saying that those emblems they're a hundred percent carbon yeah so how does that even work um well so i mean the process is, is that uh, you would take each one is made car specific right there's not it's not universal so you get whatever one it is that you want for the vehicle and you're basically going to make a mold of it the same thing that you would for a bonnet or a hood or fenders or trunk you know you, you get the part then you make a mold of it and then you can produce it and fortunately like for hondas right the jdm emblems were big right everybody wanted the red fill yeah yeah, um, yeah. and so the red emblem uh it, it it allowed it to be created in the way that i'm creating it uh, now it's not completely covered in epoxy like the way that the h emblem is where it's like the chrome um you know flush yeah the carbon actually pops from this so the h stands out a little bit and then it allows you to uh, do different color variations, right? Because a lot of people with their builds, they want to customize their builds. Definitely. Which in your industry is great, like the hardware. Like if they want colors to match their builds and their scheme, you fall right into that. Yeah. So, um, so once I started doing that, like I literally posted the first video as a fluke. It honestly looked not great to me uh, because it was just something that I was testing out and I posted a video of it and then it just went like wildfire. Like everybody started posting videos and pictures. Where can I get it? How much? This yeah. Thing? And I was like, okay, well, maybe there's something here. Let me just, you know, I'll try and perfect it. And so throughout the process of doing it, I 
I ended up perfecting a way to do it efficiently, cleanly. Like there's a lot of people now, I don't know if you see it, but that are replicating it, right? They're, mm. they're trying to do it. There's a lot of other companies. Most of them are um, not based here in the States, right? So they're they're knocking off and exactly what I do. And I'm part of like a couple of forums on like Facebook, like the there's carbon fiber pages and stuff like that. Gotcha. So whenever you post it to that, you gotta watch out for poachers that steal ideas. Yeah. Like, and they don't have creativity or, and not to say like this is super original or anything, but it organically happened. I created it and then I created a whole market for it that wasn't there, if that makes sense, yeah. right? Like there wasn't necessarily a market for it. Nobody knew that this was coming and I made it happen and then I started coming out with a bunch of variations and colors and different twill options, different uh, carbon Kevlars and just the different things. And then I started messing with different colors and then it opened up this array of options for people with different builds. If they had purple wheels, now they want badges just to match it, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of endless there. Um, it, and I just take time. So like all the materials that you use, it's not like you can go buy cheap carbon fiber, you can go buy cheap clear coat, you can go buy cheap epoxy, you can go buy cheap paint. But like I'm using like PPG, I'm using like high quality paints to paint match it. I'm using, you know, top end clear coat that's like a high solid so that the carbon doesn't yellow. And then like if there are issues with it, um, whether it's like the humidity in the area, like Florida, there's a lot of issues with carbon in, in Florida or high humidity. If there's an issue, I just replace it. Like I, there's no questions asked. Like Sick. it's just replaced. So I try and do my best to make sure that if they get something, they enjoy it for as long as possible, you know? Yeah. So the on the emblems itself, the color that's actual paint it's hand painted yeah so everything is hand painted so wow um it, it has to be now there, like i said there's a perfection to it so uh, if you look at some of the other ones they might not have got to the point of perfecting it but it's it's paint that's uh, mixed in with an epoxy and if you use two uh, the viscosity of the epoxy will cause it to bleed up on the h so there's just you have to find this right balance of uh, the proper epoxy and proper paint ratio so it doesn't bleed up on the H and look funny. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's all hand painted in there. And if, if it if it's flows too wet, it'll kind of roll up onto the edges and it won't look as clean. You won't have like a clean H. Um, so once that's filled in there, then you know you have to basically let that, there's a, there's a B stage curing is what it's called. Then you can put your top coat on it to where it'll uh, chemically bond and not mechanically bond. So you don't have to sand it. Cause sanding, if there's any pinholes or anything like that, then you can get debris inside of it and then it won't look as, mm. as clean. So there's just, there's a balance and there's like a way to learn how to do it. and through me, everything's trial and error. I was I wasn't taught. Everything was just learned initially by myself as a, a passion, you know. Yeah. So, um, how many? How long does it take you to make one of these emblems? Um, so, because of the carbon, because of the epoxy, because of the clear coat, there's stages where it takes time in uh -huh. between each one to be made. Like, so. It, it's it's never one at a time. Everything's done in batches to try and be as efficient as, as as efficient as possible. So, if if I start on one, you know, it, it's going to take a day to if I'm doing like a batch or say, it's going to take a day to like infuse everything or cut all the material. Like, there's so many steps in it. Just yeah. it's not just making it right. You have to cut the the template for the squares of the carbon that are going to go into the mold. You have to cut the peel ply, the flow media. So there's like a whole step involved into just getting it ready to lay up into the mold then you can lay it into the mold. You can do that. Let's say the process will take a day of getting it all ready to go and infused. Then you have to let it cure ideally for 24 to 48 hours, depending on the conditions in the shop. Then you can pull it from the mold. Then you can go ahead and begin the process of laying in the epoxy. So laying it, the color in of hand painting, it's probably about 20 minutes per set. Okay. So then after you lay that in there, it's got to get to that B stage, which you can, depending on the conditions, you have, you know, 10 to... 12 hours ish 
then you can go on and apply the clear, clear coat. And then the clear coat, if you're just letting it, you're not baking it and you're just letting it cure naturally, you got about a 24 hour window before you can really touch it. Yeah. Um, so then you got to wait 24 hours and then you can go ahead and start trimming it. Fuck. So the, the process like on a batch to get so many of done, it's, it's about a week. And then you have the things of, uh, oh, on this order, like I print out all the invoices and mm-hmm. I have the list of the ones that I have to do. And so I can't do Kevlar in this mold because this mold's already all filled up by all carbon. So I got to wait to the next batch to add that one in. Yeah. So when somebody buys one, what is usually the, uh, the time that you you get for it to be shipped out so the typical turnaround time is is projected at eight to ten weeks and that's an eta and and i'm behind on orders and so um it it could go longer there's people that have waited up to six months to get an order you know oh shit so the the way it works is like and the thing is it's a perpetual lead time like it hasn't gotten any shorter so Mm -hmm. if that person put an order in today it's not like it would be any faster like Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that because everything's solo right so like from me like doing everything it's like from the time that you get a dm from me it's it's me there's mm-hmm. nobody on the there's nobody but me so then the dm and then the conversation back and forth and then the actual invoice and then the actual printing the invoice to put it onto my workload mm-hmm. and then creating the object and then packaging it and shipping it and then responding to dms like it's a hundred percent me yeah so it's um and when you have you know i have a significant amount of orders that are being all managed through me and then you have like you know because the lead time's long somebody's like hey i changed my address they send me a DM, then they get email, then I got to go back in there, yeah. go to the invoice, scribble it out, and then like adjust it. So efficiency is probably one of my downfalls at this point, like with running the company, because it, w- it was never intended to be yeah. like this. It just it organically grew. And so the lead time is like the biggest complaint I get of, of everybody, like 100%. Yeah. When did you start this? Um, let's see. I mean, officially, like this, this technically to me is officially my first year of business, like okay. of strictly like last year I was still working. I believe it was last year. I quit where I was my, my day job. Um, yeah. I quit like two months in, uh-huh. into the year. And then, so I've been doing this for, uh, over a year and a half solid, but I was still not, I didn't have the shop that I have. I didn't have everything. Everything was kind of like ran like. It, it's 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 kind of crazy how it started, but I'd say about two years is what I would say that I've been actually doing it. Then prior to that, me fiddling around before it was like me learning the craft it was probably about a year and a half, two years of me learning it. Gotcha. Before I really started like getting serious and like, okay, I can actually make something of this and quit. Like I was killing myself working two jobs, which is a whole yeah. story. I mean, <laughs> yeah, let, let's get into it all, man. Um, the product is awesome. The pictures that you take, everything is so clean. It. Uh, I could just tell that there's a lot of time into it yeah. and um, just building a business out of nowhere. I guarantee there's a lot of struggles, but I want to get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Let, let's hear about um, your life. Did you grow up in Arizona? Uh, I was born in Pennsylvania, okay. um, lived there for a short period of time, um, and then moved to California, uh, lived there for a giant portion, moved to Arizona for a little bit. Fa- my family, this mm-hmm. is... Uh, and then moved back to California, lived the bulk of my life, went to uh, high school uh, and uh, Ranch Cougar, Alta Loma High School, mm-hmm. and then also in Buena Park High School. Um, so my high school and teen years were kind of Rancho Buena Park area out here in Southern California, um, and then moved back to Phoenix um, to, to actually get a welding job, started doing some welding at uh, Gatorade. And that what uh that wasn't really working out it wasn't getting the hours like i was intended to so i ended up getting a different job um which I, i've worked in a lot of different fields 
So I ended up getting a job at Office Job, working on American Express. Funny enough, in uh, business uh, accounts. Mm-hmm. So I dealt with a bunch of business. I can, you know, everybody's account. Uh, dealt with small businesses up to, you know, Disneyland account. Like, where yeah. you, you know, you can see the transactions and stuff like that. So it's actually their merchant account. So you, I'm sure you have a merchant account for uh, for Downstar, right? Like yeah. where you accept Visa, pay, you know, American Express. So when you set up that merchant account, uh, I, I was, you know, one of the managers there at American Express. So got you so you grew up in uh where did you spend most of your like teen years at? Cal- yeah california was in, most of southern california. rancho cucamonga yeah rancho cucamonga so then there and then you said buena park yeah buena- that's a big difference yeah fullerton uh, buena park it's right there so it's about 45 minutes from rancho yeah. got you yeah so what was it like growing up in rancho cucamonga cucamonga um it was just normal man i mean it, there's nothing it, 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 it's so normal that they made the movie the the Friday. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, was yeah. Like, it was such like a suburban normal. That's the area. first time I ever heard yeah, of that yeah, city. Yeah, everybody, you know, they say that name, you don't, they, don't, they don't know. But Rancho uh, Chuchamundi. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was basic, man. I mean, we lived uh, in a. There was actually a little part. It's called Red Hill, um, and so there's a lot of custom houses on Red Hill and stuff like that. But we didn't. We lived in kind of the track home. I actually lived with my grandma. Mm-hmm. Uh, my home life wasn't great, like with my parents. Mm-hmm. But my, I was raised by my grandma, and my grandpa. You know, so uh, they taught me. My grandma and grandpa just taught me a lot of like respect and stuff. Family, yeah. really family oriented. Everybody came over to our house for the holidays because it's my grandma. You know, so uh, it was. It was. I was fortunate to be raised by my grandma and grandpa. Whose you know? side of the family was that? Uh, my mom's. Your mom's yeah, side. Yeah. Okay. How early on did uh, your grandparents take control? Um, well, it was kind of like, it was just, like I said, my, my mom. So my dad passed away when I was young. And then my mom, uh, you know, she was just doing her thing. So um, I, it, it, and it comes back now when she's older. Um, she regrets decisions that she made, right? Yeah. So it comes back and... and part of that uh you know all these type of things develop you as a character yeah like, so i and you hear it you hear it from other people and stuff there's there's not really many interesting people that have perfect lives yeah you definitely. know what i'm saying like you, the people who usually thrive or develop uh or get a, a a personality that's unique or something like that they usually had some something going on in their past so i don't look at anything in my past negatively it just shaped me as who i am so my my grandma and grandpa i mean i was even my, when my mom was there she was living with her parents so mm-hmm. it's like my mom was still there and then she ended up you know not being there and stuff so i was young when i when i lived with my grandma and grandpa i was with them majority of my, i have almost zero memories of living specifically with my mom and my father so hmm. it was most of my my childhood and adult years and i moved out when i was like 17 or 16 or 17 something wow. like that yeah i moved out fairly early and then when i was living out here in buena park i was living with friends you know going to high school and stuff like that so um it was it, it, my childhood was just not like ideal you yeah know? but you just you just it develops you as a person you know yeah at that young age what was the relationship like with uh you and your mom uh I'm, you know my i feel like my mom's always loved me like she's had a like she's always loved me i just think that uh, maybe she wasn't ready to grow up right yeah when she when when she or whatever the case is i don't you know i don't dive into that i don't ever hit her up like hey like i talk to my mom all the time like she lives out in arizona with me you know not with me but yeah, there, yeah, yeah. and uh i don't i don't ask her about her past her decisions are her past and you know you get one life to live so if that's how she chose to live her life you know that's what it is so now it's just hey mom i love you you don't come over for thanksgiving she comes over and stuff I don't I don't hold resentment for anybody. I don't I'm really hard to like upset or like have resentment towards somebody like if they do something wrong. So whatever her decisions were, eh, it made me who I am and that's the character that I am today, yeah. you know. 
Did you ever listen to uh, her discipline to you, or was it mostly your grandparents? Uh, yeah, I mean, she she disciplined me. I probably didn't listen much as a kid, like even my right, because you 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 don't have that solid foundation. Yeah, and um, you don't have a. There's not really consequences, right? Like, what are you gonna do, Grandma? You know, like <laughs> yeah, like, I'll just like run out. You know, so in in as as much as they try to discipline me, um, it only works so well. You know, so it just. Yeah. I there my my uncle was a more of a father figure um uh, so my uncle would help me out or point me in the right direction yeah and, you know that so it, he he was the guidance he was you know successful and he offered guidance in a way on how to be successful uh you know just focus stay determined you know stuff like that and that stuck with me and had a good relationship with him to this day you know so what kind of stuff were you into at that age um so you know I've always been uh, I've always been a person about cars, like for sure. Like, uh, so I remember when I moved to Arizona for a few years, lived out there for like two years. I was 13 at the time and I got my first job when I was 13, um, selling, um, newspapers door to door, the Arizona Republic knocking on doors. And the way I got it was hustling this guy. Like he wanted to get into the gate. He's like, Hey, I forgot my gate key. Can you open it up? And I was like, I don't know. I don't trust you. You know, yeah. like kind of, you know, grilling him a little bit. And he's like, hey man, you're like, you can talk pretty good. He's like, you uh, you interested in a job? I was like, I'm only 13, man. He's like, well, that's not necessarily legal, but we might be able to work something out. And uh, we went around door to door. This is when newspapers were big, so yeah. we were knocking on doors and hey, would you like to sign up for the Arizona Public? Da da da. So much of this will go to my college tuition, you know. And so you're just kind of selling subscriptions. And I started making more money than my parents at, at you know 13, 14. Oh shit! You know, I was making you know 600 bucks a week, which is you know yeah. for at that time at that age was good money. You know, it yeah. was. And so like if I wanted something, I got it. Like I wanted a wow. GoPad, I bought a GoPad. You know. So, um, but I remember walking around, knocking on doors and just hearing cars drive by. Yeah. I'm like, I do one day I'm gonna have a badass car, you know? And I, you hear the, and I didn't know much about cars, yeah. but I would just hear the car and I'm like, well, I'm gonna have a car that sounds <laughs> yeah, like that, you know? Yeah. And so I've always been into cars and I've always been into just, I just wanted a nice car. You know, I didn't know back then, I didn't know what, didn't know how. And then, uh, originally my first car I ever really wanted, truly wanted was a, a 300 ZX. Mm. You know, I saw this dude with a, just a black one at a gas station when I was in like 16, 17, just black on black, just, it was an older gentleman owned it, just super clean. It was, uh, I think it was a twin turbo model, just really nice. And I was like, dude, that's gonna be my first car. Like, yeah. I want it. And it was, it wasn't, but, uh, it was, it was something I was just always looking in the auto trader, you know, how much yeah, it, you yeah, know that's yeah. just something you were doing. So, uh, but yeah, my first car was actually a, a Prelude, 91 Prelude, uh, the four-wheel steering. Uh, yeah. So I, I love that car, totaled it. And then next one I got was a CRX, so. Sick, dude. So you didn't have any friends or family that was really into cars? Uh, no, no. So my friends, um, the ones that I started growing up with, mostly out here in, um, in Buena Park or Fullerton, um, that's, you know, one of my buddies, Dana, I, I got, we got into cars a lot, like, mm -hmm. you know, and it was kind of just always me and him kind of always had this, like I had a Rex, he had an EG, and then, you know, now I have a ninth gen and he has a ninth gen and he has a coupe, I have a snack. So he's somebody that we've, me and him have always been just like close with cars and we always kind of had the same passion for cars. And I always kind of knew I wanted to start a business. I just didn't know that this was going to be it. Like yeah. me and him talked a lot about like, maybe we should just buy like cars and like from wrecking yards and then like flip them. We'll fix them up. And we talked about ways and ideas on how we can, you know, be in the car industry and make money. And like, and we just never really never worked out. And like, this is what I did was just a fluke. Yeah. You yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? So, but he's, he's been into cars. My other buddy, you know, he's into boats and he's had a few cars. He had an EG and stuff. So I, I was around, uh, a few people 
Um, I used to go to Ontario street races a lot. So I knew some people that went to those and, and stuff. And then LA went to the LA street races and stuff. And I, I kind of got into with a couple groups that used to go to those and the illegal street races and stuff like that. But it was never really my thing to do that. Like, um, uh, it was cool to go to them and experience it. I just, wasn't that big into that. Mm. Uh, I, I prefer the track. I'd, I'd prefer circuit. I was never a drag racing fan necessarily. I really like time attack or circuit racing more than drag or quarter mile. So, uh, my buddy is kind of more into quarter miles or, you know, fast, you know, straight. So. Yeah. Got you. So did you know, you said you knew that you wanted to start a business. Did you already have like a, a hustler mentality at a young age? Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, I start my first job was at 13 selling newspapers. And then even before that, like when I lived in Red Hill and Rancho, I was, it, like I said, I didn't have like money, like to where, uh, my parents didn't buy me, you know what I'm saying? So if I wanted to go to Raging Waters, I had to earn that. So mm-hmm. what I did was I knocked on doors around my neighborhood and I started washing people's cars. Mm-hmm. And I would literally just knock on everybody's door. Hey, and I knew everybody's name. Like I knew like my whole neighborhood, like almost my name. I knew like all their houses. And like I had deals where like once a week I'd go and wash their car and like so I'd make money. And then I started cutting their grass and mowing their lawn. I'd push my lawn <laughs> around. And um, I would, that's how I'd sign contract. Like, hey, like three months, like this is how much it is. Like, let's do that. And then they, okay. And so whenever I wanted to earn money, I'd, me and my friends would actually go and we'd just go and do it. Like, all right, this person wants their SUV and that's 15 bucks. They want their car, that's 10 bucks. And like, yeah. we'd wash it and be like, okay, we'll get the money, we'll split it and let's go, let's go to Raging Waters. Like, whatever, let's go have pizza. Yeah. You know, that's how we do it. I'd, I'd have to earn my money, you know? Like, I didn't have money that was given to me. It wasn't no allowance or anything like that, you know? Yeah. It's always the best money to get, though. It is. It is. Yeah. It, it, it really teaches you. Like, and it's weird because, you know, I have a, a daughter that's young and she sees me working and she sees me making stuff for people. And, and she already has that mentality in here. Like, she wants to just make stuff. Like, we're having, like, people over for Christmas. She's like, I'm going to paint a little bunch of paintings and set it up as a gallery and sell them to the people. I'm like, you're going <laughs> to hustle your family. Up. Like, hey, well, you know. It's, That's it's, what it's, I used to do when I was a kid. I would hustle all my cousins, bro, yeah. and I would get in trouble by my aunts. And I'll say, it's your fault you don't teach these kids the value yeah. of a dollar. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to yeah. take their money. Yeah, it's, it, it's it's just funny. You see how it rubs off. You know, she she just picks up on it. She's like, I want to make something or I want to sell it. And, and, it's cool to see that, you know, instilling that into them when they're young, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, um, it was, was there anything else that you were into that, uh, like you were, you were selling or any other ways that you were making money at a younger age? Mm, no, it was basically just that. I mean, it, it went from that to then to just working at a company and stuff like that. So how did you get people to, uh, have trust in you at a young age? Just door to door, man. I mean, they, they knew me, they knew I like I mean I grew up there most of my life so they saw me you know constantly and then I think after they saw me washing other people's cars just driving around it was a little bit different you know obviously like 15 years ago or something like yeah, that yeah life then, was a lot different back then it, it was and and Red Hill itself was like uh it was like a small neighborhood like I mean everybody there was a there was a golf course like on Red Hill Country Club and like it was just kind of small so like as you grew up people seen you grow up you know and they see Oh, he's like washing Bill's car. Like, okay, uh, you know, the, the Mr. Smart's car. You know, like they kind of just saw like who you were you were doing it, and then they're like, oh, okay, well, I'll let him do it. To my, yeah. You know? And I think that when you see a young kid, like, I mean, the other day, not the other day, but a, a while ago, we were driving through a neighborhood up in Prescott, and there was these kids out there that had a lemonade stand. I'm just mm. like, I pulled over. I'm like, dude, here you go. Hell yeah. You know why not? Like, 
I'm going to contribute to it. So I think that even back then when they saw a younger kid trying to do something like that, knock on the door, like putting himself out there, like, hey, like, I'll wash your car. Like, I got all my supplies. I just need your hose. Like, I got all everything. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, and you, you, you see a kid pull up with a lawnmower and like, you don't have a gardener yet. Like, or something, you know, because I don't think even gardening service was really that big back then. Everybody yeah. kind of did their own yard, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, Mr. Johnson's yeah. out there mowing his lawn. So like, ah, I don't want to do it this week and I'll have him do it. Sure. Why not? You know? So it just, they gained your trust and, you know, you just did it. Um, the the contract thing was like I only had a couple people do that and I just you know that was like when I was getting a little bit older and kind of maybe a little bit more savvy like well if I can have him sign up and it's like guaranteed money for um, you know like three months from him I just come every two weeks so I started talking and then I was just like and then I ended up just like kind of getting a job not really doing that much but yeah. it was it, it started like I guess maybe that's where a, a business mind maybe started coming in hey like this can turn into something and it probably could have really turned into something big if I just stuck with it you know yeah. But it, it, yeah, obviously it's not where your passion is, so it's not something that you're really gonna think about in that way. Like, yeah. So what's something that you're really passionate about? Uh, I like making stuff. I mean, that's just like I, I like make. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, I really just like creating it. Like, even like those coasters. It's it's something small, but it's like it's cool to make. I actually like making new things. Yeah. I'm not really a repetitive person. So the emblems itself, it's like really repetitive. And it was one of the reasons why, like, I kind of wanted to move away from it because it was, I feel like it was, um, it became overwhelming to a certain point. And there's a lot of, um, I think, mentality right now where it's like uh, people want stuff now. Yeah. And I think it's hard to deliver on that, like, Amazon Prime scale, like, now, 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 especially when it's, like, custom and, and like, it, there's not, like, it's not off the shelf. Everything's yeah. custom. So. Um, and then I kind of wanted to, initially, my whole plan was to make aero parts. I mean, that's where aerospec racing came from. Like, I really want to make aerodynamic parts. I want to make parts that are functional, parts that are going to divert air in the right way, parts that are going to perform and, and help the vehicle, uh, weight reduction. That was more, like I said, as a fluke, as a side project, but it did turn out to be something that is great. Now, it, in, in, it probably will morph to something that's not being done dominantly, like as my primary thing it probably will fall on the side as other things develop and stuff like that it's just hard doing that plus creating new content like new stuff um creating new stuff is it, it's time consuming like um uh, it's it's very easy to like see something that somebody's doing and replicate it like one of my standards so when i started this i went to a, a i was getting my stuff from this fiberglass place called uh, sticky stuff composites it's an old school dude in there just really old name marvin just really old school and just like, like you can go there and learn a class like he would teach you stuff but one of the things he said to me is like you don't replicate somebody else's work mm -hmm. like you you don't ever like so if you come out with original design or something like so i won't ever replicate any aftermarket company's product oem that's it like oem or my own design so yeah. if somebody comes at me and's like hey like i have a jay's racing lip like can you make it no yeah i won't replicate it like oh i have a mugen kit no uh, as close as you think mugen is to honda it's not oem it's an aftermarket product mm -hmm. i won't replicate it i won't replicate anything aftermarket so it has to be either 100 percent my design or it has to be an oem because to me oem is you know it, it's fine to replicate an oem panel if someone wants it or like an oem shifter bezel or trim bezel, yeah stuff like that that's like that's fine. It's it's just you're you're actually just making it better in a way. So that's fine. But if somebody else put their time and research and development into designing it, I just don't think it's okay to rip it off. Yeah. How familiar are you with the uh, Honda community before you started the business? Uh, pretty familiar. Like I've been I've been into Hondas for for a long time. Like um, I can't even. I'm I'm not good with like time frames on like when I when I started. Like, yeah. But. Um, I've, I've followed it for a long time. I mean, I've been going to Eibach, I think, the second year. Mm. So, like, after they started from the Eibach factory. So, I've been going for a long time. I've been into 
the Honda community you know, pretty pretty deep. Like, um, you know, from you know from Honda Tech days, you know, going on to the forums and stuff like that. Uh, but once again, like, I'm not somebody who's super deep into like the drama or anything like that. Yeah. So. I, I really I go on there for my research and I see what's going around what what people like I see like the trends and kind of how they're moving um, but at the end of the day like I just I kind of know what I like yeah and and I know what I like to make or like what I, what style I like there's a lot of things going on in the Honda community where people just talk down on somebody's style or somebody's like you know what they're doing to their car they're so worried about what other people are doing or that just just focus on like if they're doing that that's fine like yeah. it doesn't impact you in any way i mean there's obviously stuff that's negative to the community when you have like street takeovers or stuff like that there's it's it's detrimental to the actual community yeah definitely um you know and and even though if, i'm not a huge fan of like camber or something like that like i don't need to voice my opinion unless it becomes to where so many people are doing it, it's actually impacting laws or regulations that are going to hurt the community overall. Like, yeah. now I can't have my car lowered because all these people are cambered or having, you know, whatever the case is. I just, I stay away from it, just let it be what it be and, until it gets to a point where it's detrimental to the community, you know, so. Yeah. So before you started the business, were you familiar with how the community was with replica parts and, and yeah. not really having... um honor in that way yeah i mean i i see companies doing it right like and but then you also see the people that are like they're pretty much loyal to that uh, company that's creating it like nobody nobody really wanted like there's a hard way to like it's, it's hard to say like i guess the people who are going to buy a replica part probably aren't going to buy the original anyway yeah you know and i don't know if you struggle with that like with your hardware because as far as i know you're probably one of the first if not the first person to really bring like customized hardware uh, like main like mainstream like to the community like we got different options for you, you yeah know? definitely so did you did you struggle with that at all did you oh yeah struggle hell yeah with with aftermarket like because you go on like wish and you can see like password jdm <laughs> yeah. knockoff like the pat but and you see like other companies do they do you have issues with that with them knocking off your stuff uh yeah we have that i mean it used to bother me a lot more in the past but i feel like 50 percent is the product the other 50 percent is the brand you know 100 yeah. percent of it is what people want to support right so even if people can get a product that that looks like ours it's still not ours right and it doesn't it doesn't represent what downstar represents yeah like you don't even need our hardware you don't need it you could just use the oem stuff or whatever and your car will still run right you know people want to get our stuff because of what it is and what it represents so but it was hard in the beginning having these brands when you're when yeah. you come up with with this new idea that nobody's doing right i'm not gonna say that we were we invented the dress-up hardware sure. but i was in the industry in 2007 8 9 and nobody would you couldn't just go to a website and buy the hardware right and um there was another company called gallery fresh before mm -hmm. that hardware was the the price point on it was super expensive so a lot of honda guys weren't even looking at that yeah. as an option and that was a really cool company so um when we first started off um a lot of people were just saying like yo this isn't gonna work no one's gonna buy those bolts from you yeah. and then once people started recognizing that we were making moves and the light bulb went off in their head yeah. and then they started copying us and and you know replicating kits off of our kits and things like that and yeah at the time it bothered me a lot but nowadays i i really don't care yeah. that much you know because it says a lot more about them than it does me yeah. like we're coming out with with new innovative unique ideas right and they're coming out with ideas that we had in 2014 yeah so i mean how 
it's it's just it just bothers me that that's so widely accepted yeah. in the community and there's so many people in the community that don't have that that foresight to see somebody who's you know a one man show yeah. l- like yourself or like me for so long that none of that even mattered to them all that mattered was saving a couple bucks yeah and it that says more about them than it does about anything else yeah you know so you know reading comments and stuff like that like i i look at you know i i'm 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 just a shadow most of the time i don't put i don't get mixed in but i do see a lot of stuff where like you know people like some will come out and they'll be like oh and give it a few weeks or months and they'll have a replica for half the price i'm like the thing i guess that i i just people to understand is that if you continue to buy aftermarket products that are replicated off of that original design what you're doing is taking the money from that person's pocket that designed it and will no they will no longer have the funds to develop or design new things yeah and if they can't fund or design new things just because this other company's cheaper of course it's cheaper they spent no money designing or developing they bought that product yeah. and replicated it and you're getting it for a fraction of the cost with probably cheaper materials when you buy something from the original producer or or designer you're you're paying them back for designing a new piece for the community if if nobody if if ever if those companies no longer have money to or no what desire like what if i'm going to come out and spend weeks or months designing a, a spoiler right and then as soon as i drop it three other companies rep it and then they start selling it for half the cost and now all that time that i invested in designing it i'm not well, i'm not seeing a, a return on my investment yeah the roi zero because everybody's buying replicas yeah. So what's going to be my incentive to design a new product yeah. if I have no ROI on, on that? And and eventually, if everybody keeps buying aftermarket or ripoff knockoffs of the design, those companies aren't going to exist to create new products. Yeah. And you're going to have to rely on those knockoff companies to come out that with. That didn't have any ideas in the first exactly, place. Exactly, yeah. There's very little creative people. And those creative people, those are the ones that we need to protect and we need to support because without them... The industry isn't going to thrive like it does. Now, here's two perfect examples. One perfect example was, um, I don't know if you're familiar with M's JDM Racing. Uh, I've heard of them. Um, uh, M's JDM Motors. I, I forget, man. Um, but they uh, they would import stuff from Japan, and uh, he actually came out with his own brand. It was called Dimes Performance. Okay. So they made uh, shifter bushings, like solid shifter bushings, and it was it was a cool, very cool design. Right when that product came out, it was like six months and it was knocked off by at least three other companies. Mm -hmm. And now it doesn't really make parts anymore. Yeah. And it's just, who knows? um, His name's Matt. Who knows what else Matt had in his head that he could have came out with, but he's trying to get this brand off the ground. And the first product he comes out with gets bitten and people buy it and they don't buy his. And it's like, dude. That's one person. Now, another person, we just had Busy Moto on the last episode, and I asked him why he made his way away from the Honda community, and one of the reasons was knockoff parts. They were yeah. knocking off his parts and making fake uh, fake dyno charts saying that the knockoffs were, were flowing better than his. Yeah. And he actually got confirmation that it was, it was a fake dyno sheet from the person who made the dyno sheet. And he's just like, dude, why am I going to keep doing this in this community when I could just move to the Porsche community and those guys don't support knockoffs at all? Right. So the creativity, the knowledge that comes with Busy Moto, now that is a majority towards 
the Porsche community. Right. It's it's when, one, it's yeah, a different industry. When that was our guy. Yeah. And if we would have just given him the respect for, you know, if we want to purchase that product, purchase it from him instead of purchasing and purchasing it from a knockoff company, yeah. maybe he would be making cool stuff for the Honda community right. still. Like he just came out with that EV Porsche. I don't know if you've seen that one. I haven't seen it yet. It's no. fully electric Porsche and um Dude, that thing is fucking nasty. It's so cool, dude. And it still has all the technology of that era of the car, but it's an electric vehicle. It's passed by uh, smog so he can drive it around California. It's it's registered and ready to go, and that shit's fast as fuck. And it's like these Honda dudes, they don't understand it. They don't get it that we just lost another member of the community. Yeah. How many busy motos do you think that they are, there are yeah. in our community? Yeah, you, you can definitely push it away. And, and and so the thing, like, particularly, like, with, with those H emblems, like, I if you saw the amount of DMs I get for Subaru or Toyota or Nissan, like, I mean, there's, a, there's those options, but instead they'd ride the coattail of an industry that was created already. Like... And like I said, it was a fluke. It's not like something like, uh, oh, like don't take my idea, right? But there's literally like eight other companies that are doing it now. Like, yeah. And most, they're all Malaysian based or in the Philippines or something like that. So I don't, it, it is what it is. And most people still purchase from me because they, 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 they get it from me because they know that there's the quality and then the craftsmanship that I put into any piece, whatever yeah. it may be. Like I, I don't post about other stuff now. So whenever I post a picture about something, I was like, oh, do you, do you make that? Like, they don't even know that I make it now because my feed's mostly those because that's the majority of my work. Like, I, I you know, I have other things that I've done that I'm working on that I just, I keep under wraps. Like, I, I just try and just develop it low-key because I can't, I'm at a weird phase where everybody tells me like, hey, get an employee. And I'm like, it's not like that easy to just bring somebody on. Yeah. You know, I had somebody come in two days a week and he was like helping me out with stuff and it just ended up not necessarily working out like to where it maybe it wasn't as beneficial as i thought it would be yeah i need him and, and like i don't like to pay people not a lot like i want to pay him a lot you know mm-hmm. i want him to want to come and i want to pay him a lot of money and it's just the output from what was getting done wasn't necessarily worth it and i think for him too it wasn't necessarily worth it so it just ended up not working out and not to say that it won't but I'm not like when it comes to business business like scaling and stuff like that I'm just learning right now yeah like, I'm figuring that out like I don't want to scale too big and I yeah. and I don't want to stay too small but I didn't get into this specifically to make money I got into this as a passion like a hundred percent so it's it's really weird trying to balance that like I don't just want to take people's money and just make them something and ship it out that's not like I want to make something for each car that they want yeah and I want them to want to purchase it. Not like it, it's not just like, oh, like, oh, I guess I'll get that for my build. Like, I'm like, oh, I need that for my build to complete it. Or like, that's, that's something that I really want. I want to create something that's uh, something that they're passionate about purchasing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it, it's hard to explain, like, how I feel about making a piece. Like, when you get it in your hand, you know that, like, oh, this was made by somebody. Like, yeah. it, it's not something that was stamped or printed or there was no love to it. Like, that when I design something, like ultimately my probably my main goal at the end of everything when it's said and done, my dream business would be designing a car from bottom up. Gotcha. Like you drop it off and be like, I want this done, like just wide body or whatever you want. Like I want a full arrow kit designed for it with function and you drop the car off and I, I work from the ground up. Like yeah. and just design it for that client 100%. 
And so there's a lot of people, I think, in in the industry, when I say stuff like that, they're like, there's just not money like that in the Honda industry. I'm like, I, I think you're missing. It's not, there's definitely money. Like people dump thousands and thousands of dollars into not necessarily the best mm -hmm. purchases for the vehicle. But there's also serious people in the community, right? Like if you look at the upper echelons of people that are really into the Honda community and like, like a not, not necessarily a purist, but like they really want to build a car. There's, there's like yourself, like there's checkered sports, there's rye wire, a busy moto was one of them. They built these cars like bolt for bolt from the ground up. Yeah. And there are other people that are in the community too, that are, aren't not, not necessarily names or are part of the comp. Like they don't have a company, but they're just in the community, but they love building cars from the ground up that will absolutely spend money on a quality piece. That's yeah. a one-off design. And so my goal is to get to that point of designing something that is just for that one person, you know, or, you know, a small group buy, mm. a small a segment of people that want to throw in on this group buy of these limited run yeah. pieces. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of mass production myself personally, because I don't want to make the same thing a thousand times yeah. or 200 times. I, I lose my creativity and I lose my drive. My, yeah. my drive is on okay, this is sick. Like I spent so much time designing this. Like when I designed like, like the duck bill for my FB6, it took so long of like just perfecting it. Like I'm not using CAD. I'm not, I'm, I'm sculpting, you know, like mm -hmm. just by hand, I'm measuring with tools, calipers. And like, I, I, I think that there's something lost almost in the rendering of doing something on a computer versus doing it. Eh, there's obviously some things like mechanically, if you need something to fit perfectly, a computer's going to be better. Yeah. But like design wise and characteristics, there's a reason why Porsche and Ferrari and all these companies still have people working with clay. They're still doing clay design on these cars. And they're, everything is still done by hand in clay. Now they do use machines and stuff and render it, but everything's still done by hand. Uh, so I think that there's there's still a niche for that, especially in the Honda community that, that a lot of companies are missing out on. And I, I see a lot of turn and burn is when the community, like they just, if you look at bigger companies and not dropping names, but they only make a certain amount of parts, right? You see like hood, fenders, trunk. To, I mean, those you could flip those easily if you just want to make OEM style. But to make a functional trunk or like a really lightweight trunk or a functional hood where it actually extracts heat um, and the vents actually function and not just replicating OEM, it takes time to really design that and think it through in a process of like, okay, where's the heat coming from? Where's it going to flow? How do you want this to flow over the roof line? You know, how do you want it to expel? Like, there's there's just so much that goes into that. And but a lot of the bigger companies they just make. OEM style, or they just slap some like generic vent style on the top that's sealed off on the bottom. That's not really extracting heat. Yeah. So I see a lot of that like turn and burn. New car tension comes out. Okay, let's make a hood, replicate it, and put it out in the market first on the market. Mm -hmm. And like I just don't think necessarily first on the market's best. Um, it, I think it's better to spend time. And unfortunately, I just don't have the time right now with doing my current workload to also take on custom projects like that. So. That's why the business scaling for me is the only issue. It's like, if I can have somebody come on and help me with some of these tedious tasks that eat up time, then I can shift my focus on designing and creating new parts for the community, which ultimately I want to do. It's just, you know, it's hard. Yeah. What about like raising prices on the emblems and focusing more on the uh, the details, the like maybe the packaging, some kind of plaque or something. So if this, this piece is like a one of one piece for this, for this customer, and that would kind of get rid of the, uh, the people that aren't really focused that much on what you're bringing to the, the artistic yeah. part of it. Yeah. And so there's a couple that I've dropped that have been limited edition because they do take more time. Like I dropped a Nebula edition 
and it's where I created like you know a galaxy. It's like a nebula, and mm-hmm. I mean that's all hand painted. So that did the price was jumped up on those, and there was like a confetti. Where once again, like I kind of dropped like this new thing that nobody else is doing is like confetti carbon style. So mm. it looks like purple confetti. The price was up on a little bit on those. And then now I'm doing like a forged and in, in candy coated and the price is up. So on some of the ones that are, I raised the price only because the process is longer. Yeah. And the time takes longer. I think that the cap, I think I'm at a cap for price. I don't really want to raise it because then it puts it out of reach from a lot of people that do want it. And so like, I, I have this like moral compass on me. That's like, I really don't, I don't want to like overcharge people, but I, I, but then it's like, I'd rather take the hit personally, like in my time and not overcharge somebody. It's really weird. Right. Cause like mm. from a business standpoint, like if you think of, I don't know, whatever Bezos or somebody like a, a super CEO, I don't know if they have that moral compass to where it's just kind of like it controls their business decisions. I think they're more probably more orientated on numbers yeah, and like how, how do I drive this productivity higher? Oh, well, that person has to eat less. Okay, that's fine. But, it, you know, I so like I just, I think I'm at a cap as far, and I initially did have the price lower and I raised it up a little bit because I realized like the time it takes to create it. So I already bumped the price up once and I, and, and then I, it is a little bit more for those premium ones because it, like I said, it takes more time. But I think I'm at a cap for that. I don't want to really raise the price. I think the way to do it is is to bring somebody on that can do the more tedious and maybe not artistic tasks of it, um, like maybe trimming it or yeah. or something like that, um, cutting the material. You know, I can spend a whole day just cutting material for a week's worth of you know layup. So uh, just doing that type of stuff. My my wife was helping me out cutting it, but yeah, we had a second child and like so now it's just like she just does that. You know, like she takes care of our kids and I'm like I that's all I can ask for her. You know, like I don't want her to take on more. So if I can bring somebody on, even if it's a younger kid and mentor him throughout the way, that's probably the way to go and probably where I'm leading to. Yeah. It's just a matter of just kind of getting things a little bit more organized. I've only been in this new shop for, you know, almost a year now. So getting everything set up took time. Um, There's been a lot of just kind of setbacks throughout, uh, excuse me, this process, right, of like starting. There's a lot of setbacks that I don't think people see from the outside. They just, and a lot of people, they still, when they message me and stuff, they're like, hey, do you guys... Uh, plan on making this and, and like I think they think you guys like there's multiple and like it's just me and I uh, I don't know that a lot of people I gain a lot of followers in a short period of time so I think people still think it's like a company that's like there's multiple people working on this or like hey I messaged you guys the other day and I didn't get a response yeah and, and it's it's just me like and if I get if I make a post um, I'm fortunate like don't get me wrong like I'm like to have all these people that are wanting a product from me I'm fortunate like don't I, I don't want people to take it the wrong way like i'm not like i'm complaining but if i post something like my dms do kind of go a little crazy and so messages get bumped down and then if i start responding i get into like 30 conversations and if you can imagine if um, one conversation that you're having with somebody especially to have a conversation of like hey i'm not sure what color like do you offer this color uh, i changed my grill mm. uh, so that i have a different uh, generation grill will this fit on mine and so you have you know 20 of those conversations going on there goes a day's worth of work if I just spend time messaging everybody. So unfortunately, I have to set messages aside and then just work and then pull up messages when I can throughout work. It's a full-time job to be to message right now with the way orders are. It's just, it, it would literally take all day to go through DMs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the natural step is just adding somebody else to the team and, uh, you know, delegating some of those kind of tasks to yeah. them. But also, uh, I was looking at your your Instagram, and there's not much of an example showing the behind the scenes of yeah. it to kind of uh, humanize the brand. Yeah. You know, it, 
it's only right for people to believe that it's a company because everything that that it's showing it's not showing that it's a one-man team that you're with your your family you got family time you know and yeah. i think that that's one thing that has really benefited us as well um me kind of being a separate entity from downstar so people can see like the behind the scenes yeah when they see uh when they go to my my page or whatever they actually see what's going on so in the, like when we just had the the bolt friday sale um we didn't get that many people complaining about lead times and the lead times were a lot longer than normal yeah but people understood because we're posting pictures of getting orders done doing it being at the shop late you know uh getting parts from anodizing just grinding so it, it makes sense to them yeah but when there's none of that yeah people think well i mean this must just be a big company that they're just they're just shooting stuff out right you know? So that might be an opportunity as well, just to put a little bit of more of yourself in there. Yeah. Uh, have you ever thought about that? So initially, if you look back on my Instagram, I actually have never deleted any photos from the beginning of my process. And and so you can go back to the beginning and see the first junk that I was making, right? Like this clay lump on the back of a CRX when yeah. I was making a spoiler. And I, I didn't leave that intentionally just to show that like, this is the progression of where I started. I started from nothing, like, you know, not really knowing this is something that I've learned. Um, and, and I, I was a while ago, I was posting processes of me like doing stuff. Like I'd have it even live videos and stuff like that of me trimming or yeah, yeah, yeah. doing stuff like that. But I noticed once I started doing that is when the copying started coming because they see the process of how I'm doing it. And because like I said, it's become a way of me perfecting it and becoming efficient at it and, and getting quality. Yeah. They see the way that I might be trimming it and how fast I'm doing it, or they see the way I'm laying in the, the paint. And whenever I did that is when I started seeing it coming. Now there are other things that I can do, you know, in post. And, and yes, I have thought about doing it. It's it's a double and uh, a double sided coin or whatever however you want to say it, a double ended sword. Because the more I post, the more messages I get, and then the less I post, then the more messages I get about hey, any updates, right? Because mm -hmm. then people are asking for updates, and it's like if I post updates, then I get questions about is that my update? And then and it's like so it's it's like this weird balancing act i think normalize or um maybe adding a human element to it mm -hmm. where they see me doing more and working more and i've thought about doing that like where i wake up in the morning i post a story of like my morning i'm up definitely i'm, I'm, I'm getting at it and and then post you know throughout the day my little sh snippets of what's going on and then at night post it because like i'm up at like 6 7 a.m and i'm working until 12 to 1 you know all day wow so it's it's every day there's there's pieces of that where like i pick up my daughter because mm -hmm. i need my daughter time i pick up my daughter from school so most of the time i actually take her to school sometimes i pick her up i take her to school so i wake up i do what i got to do a little bit I get about an hour or two hours then i can take my daughter to school come home and then it's back to work do this and that and then sometimes depending on my wife if she's busy with our son because uh, we have you know he's a year now if she's busy with him then i'll go grab her and if not then i'll do it and then we don't really have set dinner times you know it's just it's kind of really all around me just working yeah so th it is kind of chaotic in a way right now uh, because we haven't managed that business portion of it yeah. like okay you wake up and you work from this time to this time and then from here to here's family time it's it's not like that like even coming out here for christmas and stuff like that like it's hard like i feel like as I should make a post, right? And say, hey guys, I'm gonna be out of, out of the shop for a couple couple of days. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna go see some family. And I feel like I should, but um, I also feel like that's a double in the store. Well, if you're going out there, then you're not working on my orders. I feel like, a pr I feel pressure to work on people's stuff. 
and it's hard, you know. And because I am, I'm like behind on orders and stuff yeah. like that. But I feel a pressure to work, and, and rightfully so. But the pressure's real, and like I, I do feel it. Like, dude, you paid for your part. Like, I want to get it out to you, but understand, like, I'm here and I'm gonna get it. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, you know. So it's it's hard to convey both that message of like I also do need a little me time, you know. Otherwise, I'm gonna go crazy. And even still, like, I'm still coming out here for this to talk yeah. to you. You know what I'm saying? And like. I see that this is like a, an opportunity to meet somebody that started, you know, as far as I know, by himself and, and just built something and has been in the community a long time. So, yeah, I can understand a lot of the struggles that you're going through because I've been through them a lot. And uh, one thing that I really appreciate about our customers is that we have a sort of mutual respect. Um, they they need to know that there's a human behind this. And as much as they're going to their job, being with their families, it's the same thing that I got to do. You know, if you can't wait our lead time, it's cool, man. Somebody else is going to be there. And that's, you, you need to see the value in that with you. You bring something to the table. These knockoff companies, they're, they, they, they don't have anything behind them. There's no backing. There's no... There's no name to it. Yeah. People can't attach that to anything. All that is is a carbon fiber emblem. Right. You know, you put more value into your product as it being a piece of artwork. And that's don't worry about those dudes. Let them do whatever they want to do, because like you said, that's probably not your customer anyway. Yeah. You know, Uh, when there's knockoff companies that do hardware, there's, you know, the Alibaba hardware. I don't mind those guys because they're planting the seed in for these customers that are eventually going to come to us. Right. So once once they buy that product, install it, and their friends are going to say, if they have good friends around them, like, yo, why are you using that bullshit? Yeah. Or the product is going to, it's going to fade. Right. The the bolt's going to strip. Then it's going to be like, shit, now I got to buy some good stuff. Right. Yeah, it's true. And then they come to us. Or they'll go to you. Right. You know, my emblem, it doesn't fit right. Yeah. Well, you should have went with Aerospec, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't put that much pressure on you, man, because you have to realize that this this business stuff, this is a marathon. It's it's not a race, you yeah. know? And if you keep putting these uh, crazy schedules on yourself, for one, you're going to miss out on valuable time with your family. Yeah. And, and your kids are only going to be this age once. Right. And, and two, you have a product that is is second to none. The uh, the the details are there, and you know what you're doing, and you're perfecting your craft. And if these customers can't understand that, yeah. it's cool. Okay, everybody, we're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll be back in one minute. Yo, what's up, fool? Make sure you check out Downstar for all of your dress-up needs. Get it poppin' over here. We have all the kits for the K-Series, the B-Series, the transmission, the mounts, the engine, the Toro, baby. We have the hardware for the seats, for the stereo. We got it for the speakers. We got it for the lug nuts. We got it for the air valves. We got it for everything, dog. So you make sure you hit us up at downstarring.com or you call us up, fool. You can even text us, lame, 818-937-3472. Just shoot us a text and tell us what's up, dog. I need some fucking balls in this bitch. Hit us up, downstarring.com. Hey, and if you got an Instagram, slide in our fucking DM at downstar. Wait, 
hit up the homie frank underscore downstar he's the one that takes care of all the dms hit that leva up and shoot him a message and he'll get you all taken care of real nicely you know and to be honest with you it's like for every 10 there's a half of one yeah <laughs> you know it's like to be fair to my customers like my clients most of them dude are super loyal and super nice like i'm not like most of them are just like keep doing that like you're doing great but like hope your family's great like they know like i had to bite the bullet like because my son had like when he was born uh he had some issues and stuff that set me back where i couldn't work for a portion of the time i was mm -hmm. driving back and forth to the hospital i was taking my wife wow so like um it set me back so that was when i brought the human element i had to share that with these people and let them know like dude like i'm i can't i can only do so much uh, so in the beginning of the year, there was just a lot of chaos yeah. that, that set me back. And like these setbacks, because of my lead times and how things work, it's like those setbacks um, continue. It's like a cascading effect, right? Yeah. Like the setback in January of this year cascades to all the way to this year. Um, and so it, now it's double time to to compensate for that setback. And there's not another person there to fix that. Like yeah. it's just me to fix that uh, setback. Um, so like me moving a shop because I was doing everything out of a two car garage with a car in it, um, originally. And, uh, I, you know, I, uh, now I have a shop that's, you know, 2000 square feet. It's, it's big enough to manage everything that I need to do. Um, but to, you know, to, to put things into perspective, like on the human element, we can jump to the beginning of how it started and, and just kind of let people understand like, yeah, that. let's do that. So like I was working at, um, American express and, um, like I said, this is by fluke and accident, but I've been wanting to sculpt something with clay since day one. Like I want to make something with clay. Originally it was just like, whatever I'm artistic as it is. I used to draw a lot and stuff like that. So I like clay. Um, there's, I always just randomly looked on Craigslist or stuff like that for clay. Cause clay is actually fairly expensive. Like if you want good clay. Um, so this dude in, um, uh, Tucson was selling a, a bucket of clay. It was like 75 pounds, which would probably break down to be around like 600 bucks if mm -hmm. you bought it, you know? And he was like 25 bucks. And oh, I was wow. Like, and I was like, I'm, I'm there. And I was actually contemplating on not going. You know, I was, I was talking to my wife. I was like, man, I don't know. I was like, that's far. It's like an hour and a half drive. That's like 30 bucks in gas. <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm like, okay, I'm about to save like $500, but I'm not going to go. But I was like, I talked myself into it, drove down there, met this old sculptor dude, super cool. I guess everything's moving digital now. So he can sculpt on a smaller scale, scan it, and then they'll print it to foam mm -hmm. and make it large scale. So he was doing like giant scale sculptures and then casting molds of it. They don't have to do that now. So he was like, I'm getting rid of all the clay. I tried to hustle him into giving me like, you know, I tried to buy more because he said he had like a thousand pounds of it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, like I only have like 70 pounds left. Um, that is my personal. I was like, I'll be buy that too. He's like, oh, I can't. I need that for my own. I was like, okay. So I bought it from him and I really wish I had that guy's car, dude. Yeah. Just, just so I can go back there and like, or his contacts and be like, you know what you started? Like, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Like I really do. But I took the clay home and I created an Instagram account. I don't even know if I had a name for it, to be honest with you, besides like my personal account. And um, I started uh, sculpting the uh, ASR1 is what it was called. And I spent just t so much amount of time just sculpting this. And I finally, people just started messaging me. I started posting to the CRX Facebook group. There's a couple of them that are pretty big. And uh, people are like, oh, like, when are you going to release it? When are you going to release it? And at the end of the day, I, I, all the time that I spent on that, I've only sold two of them. Mm -hmm. And there, I had a pre-order list of 50. I never took any money for it because I knew I was just going to have issues with it. But, excuse me, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated design to start something on. Uh, it's a sealed design with hardware inside of it. 
it's a split mold. It's just, it's a super complicated task to start as your first project, right? Most people start with like a flat panel. Yeah. So I, I spent a lot of time doing that. Now, what was happening is uh, as that started to grow, uh, people started asking, can I do this or can I do that? Started taking other things um, like an e-brake uh, cover, um, some AC vent deletes, just smaller little projects. And what happening, what was starting to happen was I started to see that, okay, I can actually make some money in this. And I, I'm, it, it takes a lot of time. I'm learning, I'm developing, but I was now working at my day job. So for the longest time, for about a year and a half, like I said, when I was learning this, um, I was spending, I didn't know my family like at all. Like, I mean, I, I would go, I'd wake up for work at like 5 a.m. and I'd go into work at 6 a.m. I'd drive like an hour. I spent my time at American Express. I'd get off at like two or three. I'd come home. I'd spend like an hour. I'd eat lunch. I'd go into the garage and I'd just keep grinding at it and just keep mm. doing it. And for about a year and a half, I was working 20 hours a day. Like I would sleep four hours. I'd go to bed at like midnight and wake up at four or five or go to bed at like one and wake up at four or five every single day and it was just like this insatiable appetite for like learning and doing it and like i wasn't making a ton of money like at all like it was just a piece here and there and it was more just learning and designing and creating and just making these little things for people uh and i spent so much time and i was burning myself out like just learning but i couldn't stop sucking up the knowledge of of what i was learning and like there was like a real passion to just i couldn't wait to get off of work and to go and then like what happened my performance at my day job was just starting to just fall yeah and it was like i had climbed up pretty quickly in that in the time that i was there you know i became a manager pretty quick or a, a lead or whatever and i was moving up there and then that just like went stagnant because then i saw this growing and then i couldn't justify going to work for somebody else when i saw like the potential in doing my own thing yeah and so there was there was a huge like uh, cross point where I started actually kind of making a little bit of money, but once again I wasn't making more money than I was making at my day job. Um, and my wife was like, "Dude, you got to give up one or the other. You're dying. Like you're killing yourself." Hmm. And like I saw it, but then like I just bought a new house because I had this job that was doing good, and then I, I bought a house. I just bought a new car, and so now I have this overhead of a mortgage and my car payment, and I'm like. Like, I, what do you want me to do? Like, I can't quit my day job. Like, I need that. And she's like, well, you can't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people know that, like, the sacrifices were made. So, like, I sold, like, I had a street bike. I sold it. I had a prelude. I sold it. Like, just to just to put money into this, to, to go towards this. And then um, eventually what happened was, is, like, well, we're selling the house. So we sold the house, and uh, we moved in with my father-in-law. Mm -hmm. And I felt like... I took 10 steps backward in life. Like, cause I moved from California having nothing. I was finally a homeowner, had a brand new car, was working at this job, everything's going great. And then I started this passion and it just r almost ruined me in a way. Like if you look at it from the outside, I yeah. sold my house to cut my overhead and live in my father-in-law's house yeah. and work out of his garage. So the sacrifices that I've made to like get to where I am, I think a lot of people don't understand. Like I had to give up everything of like a normal life and sacrifice all my time and lived with my father-in-law for almost two years, uh, a year and a half before I got the shop um, to do it. Like it was just this crazy of like events that happened of sacrifice to put in to, to get a company to go. Like it's not um, where you have money and you invest and then you can make a company. This is all off of skill or trade or like, yeah. you know, workmanship of like creating something. 
uh, and there's a lot of people I just don't think that have I don't think have that passion or drive to give up. Like my my brother, I was telling him I was in the shop, you know, I was in the garage messing with this stuff, and you know he'd be drinking. He and, and my neighbor would be out and drinking and stuff, and they'd be like, "What are you doing, dude?" I'm like, "Dude, I'm gonna make something out of this." Like, and they thought I was crazy. Yeah, they're like you're crazy, dude. I'm like, no, I'm gonna make, dude. This is gonna work. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna make this watch one day, dude. Like, I'm just gonna do something. And it just, and so far, it's been great. Like, minus the little hiccups here and there, the progression that I see in the slope has been great. And, like, yeah. where it can go has been great. But the starting of it was so rough. And, like, I just think people don't understand, like, to sell your brand new house that you've only lived in for a year. Damn. You know, and, and just give it up, like, make that call. And then give up your job where you were climbing up. And I could have easily just worked at American Express and made great money. Like, I could have moved up in that company and made good money. And just to no, I'm I'm gonna do this. It, it was like rolling the dice on this risky gamble that people are gonna like what I make and purchase it. Like they're gonna support me as a small company. Like it's so crazy to do. Like and think back in retrospect of what ended up happening and how much support I have. Like in the community, like the community has been awesome, you know, and they've really supported it. But I don't think a lot of people know like the struggles that go into something like this or like what was sacrificed in order to make it. And like how much time my family and like giving up a house, giving up my car, my yeah. street bike. They just don't understand that, you know? So when you were uh, starting off the business and uh, going through all of those hard changes, uh, that put a lot of pressure on your relationship with you and your wife? I think that she was probably a little bit more optimistic at that point and saw it. So I don't think, I think she was, she saw it more than I did. Mm. Like I was more so like, this is not going to work. Like, mm -hmm. like, like as much as I told like my brother and stuff like, oh, it's going to work. Like I'm like in my head, my real doubts and like that I had with my wife was like, I just don't see it right now. Like, I don't know how we're going to make more than I'm making, mm -hmm. you know, at my day job. Like I got to in like, realistically, man, I got to take care of my kid. I got to support you. Like, like, I don't know, man. You, you, like in my, my internal fear, she was like more of like a rock and saying like pushing me to like, you got to do it. Like it's one or the yeah. other. And I think you should do this or you're not going to be happy. Because, um, like, she knows that ultimately, like, I, I did want to be self-employed. Like, I didn't want to work. Like, I'm, oh, I was also miserable working at American Express. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, sitting at my desk job was not pleasant. And as this started growing, uh, people there knew it. Like, I really didn't care about that place. Like, in, as much as it's a great company, don't get me wrong, like, they were great company to work for like the benefits and like the people and the stat like my manager for putting up with me in the way that i was because i was at towards the end i was just like i don't need to be here uh that attitude she was so great with me but um the she was more my rock and pushing me to go away and, and, and go away from a desk job to do this you know yeah so fast forward to today uh how's everything going with you too so I think we have more stress uh, because she sees the business aspect of it and, and how it's grown. So like the now it's not the stress of like, oh, like, are we going to pay bills or like um, are or is there going to be an order, you know, to come through? Um, but it's more so like we're we need to manage this better. Like we need to figure out how to really manage this. Like, yeah because the stress because now i'm working a lot you know yeah. and she's like you shouldn't work this much yeah. and part of that it could be managed by um i'm not orthodox i don't really like rules in a way yeah. like so uh like it's part of i think every entrepreneur wants to do things on their own right there's like that saying it's like an entrepreneur is like the first person doesn't work 40 hours they don't want to work 40 hours for somebody but better work 80 for themselves yeah like, yeah, yeah whatever and so that that's the thing it's like um 
there's stress now because there's a lot more that's involved. There's a lot more, there's a lot more riding on it too. Like I don't have a desk job to go right now. Like when I was doing both, I could have stopped this and then just kept my paycheck and my desk job, but there's no paycheck coming tomorrow. Yeah. I'm, I am the pay. Like I have to work to bring money. Like it's differently. You can go into an office job and coast. Like you can come in and just be like, I'm just going to get my work done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just coast through the day. There's no coasting through it. I'd like, you can't be with a Dremel sleeping. Like you're, you're, you'll cut your hand off. You gotta be on every, and then it's like every time you're responding to somebody, you can't give them a lackadaisical response. Like, yeah, bro, get you soon. Like you gotta, yeah, thanks for contacting me, man. I'll get to you as soon as possible. Or like you have to actually, these people are willing to give you their money that they were, are working for hard. And so it's like, you gotta, you can't take that for granted. So there's, there's a lot more stress of like, I can't take it for granted they're giving me money. I can't take it for granted of what I've built. And I can't, I can't take anything for granted. And I have so much more work to do that's riding on me just doing this work. So there's a little bit more stress. And I think it's just about managing time better in orders. A lot of people say like, hey, set up a website. Okay. How do you set up a website though for custom orders? Yeah. And then like, if I, like, okay. If I went through my DMs right now, I can probably take more orders right now. Like a lot more orders. But I can't, I have to, I have to like, I have to like have a trickle flow because if I just take all these orders, it's going to cause the lead time to be even longer. Yeah. So I can only take one order here, one order there, one order here. Right now. Like I, I can't, everybody's like, Hey, I respond. I sent you a DM. You didn't respond. Okay. If I responded to every DM and I took every single order, the wait time would now be two years. Mm-hmm. So I can't do that. I have to, if I take your order and if I respond to you, I'm, I'm opening up that order for you. That's that's a spot that I've okay I can fit that in and it, and I can't just stop taking orders yeah if I stop taking orders then I have no cash flow to continue making parts and stuff like that so it's it's kind of the way that it works so it it's just it's about managing everything and it, I think like I said the business aspect of it I'm I'm getting the handle on right now and trying to not manage it in business and money wise but man it is in time um, structure um, invoicing orders. Uh, lead times, uh, production, productivity, costs, stuff like that. Like it's that's what's being worked on right now. So, yeah, I I think definitely if you got a a worker in there, somebody to maybe even an intern at first, you know, someone to see if if they're a good fit, if they're a quick learner. Yeah, and then you bring them on, and then you'll be able to capitalize on all those orders. But yeah, dude, I've been in the same position where you're just stressing out you're the only person doing this you're the only person doing everything yeah and um burn out quick man so for for your industry like when you're looking at um for like new things that can be done or developed like how do you go about is it based off of like a new generation coming out and new hardware that you would design for it or do you look at older chassis and, and trying to figure out new ways to bring something new to the table for them. Well, I mean, the good thing about us right now is that the ball's just rolling. Every day we have orders coming in for yeah. just whatever that people need for their builds, right? So it's not like things slow down and I got to come up with a new product yeah, and think of something so we get some money coming in, you know? Um, but the things that I like to do are things that bring me happiness that are creative things you know things that i want to do um like i'm not really focused on the new cars coming out and oh we got to have a kit for this before the car even comes out you know because 
I mean, maybe that would be a good dis- business decision. Yeah. But that's not really doing in- anything for my passion. Sure. Which yeah. is creating stuff. So I want to create things, you know. Um, right now we're in the works of uh, creating some um, some LCAs, which should be pretty tight, you yeah. know. But I'm, I want to come out with something that's our own, our own style, our own design, and, you know, expanding like that rather than just thinking about, like, you know, this product would be good, it would make money, right. and it would it would sell a lot, you know, rather like a tow hook or, or right. something like that. Yeah, yeah. If I'm not passionate about the product, if it's something that I wouldn't put it on my car, I really don't want to spend time doing that because, you know, the money's coming in already. We have right. products that are bringing in the money that are, that are paying the bills. So yeah. I kind of have the freedom at this time to focus on other things like the podcast and yeah. we're starting the skate brand as well i saw that that's cool yeah and as and also adding new product to to downstar um we're working on different colors anodizing colors to bring in it's just you know cool things that i want to do um but that's kind of where my focus is at yeah i'm not really concerned about doing things that people want us to do i'm more concerned about things that i want to do that that'll be fun because that's that's the thing that i feel like that i have struggles with is you know we're we've been in this for 10 years and you know grinding and we've we've earned everything that we have but like i don't really do anything that's that fun day to day yeah and i want to focus more on that i want to focus more on the freedom of being able to do things and if it was up to me i would have the business running have guys running it, everything done and yeah. i would do more of like content creating yeah uh you know youtube videos podcasting and things like that and it expanding that sort of yeah. way you know? Yeah, it's 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 smart though. I mean, because if you follow your passion, I think that that's ultimately what will lead to your success. I mean, that that's what got you here yeah. to begin with. And if you continue that with the LCAs and or any other projects that you are passionate about, whether it's reinventing the wheel or not, it's still it's something you're passionate about. I think that comes through, like yeah. in in your product. And that, that's funny because I said the same thing. It's like I just want to create stuff. Like I just want to make stuff. It doesn't necessarily matter. It's not like what is the next big thing. Yeah. I just want to make it. Like whatever I think that is cool, I just want to make it. And hopefully there'll be – the thing is is that you got to look at it. Like there's like, what, 7 billion people? Yeah. If you had 0.1% of those people, you're successful. Yeah. Like so there's somebody that's going to think that your idea is cool. And obviously you hopefully you try and make it to the best of your ability so it's quality. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's how I'm focused too. It's like I, I just want to make – cool shit <laughs> yeah i feel like um naturally we're all tribal people and um i'm just building my tribe yeah. this is my tribe this is our beliefs this is our this is our moral code this is what we like to do this is the product that we put out this is the style like if you want to fuck with us cool yeah if you don't there's other companies that you could fuck with i'm not trying to get everybody because i don't like everybody i'm i don't connect with everybody there's so many people in this industry that i don't fuck with and i don't connect with and i don't believe they're what they put off i don't want anything to do with them so there's a certain customer that i like to have and yeah i mean that's gonna hinder the growth of the company but 
I'm not doing this for money. I don't I don't care about money yeah. like I did before. You know, money is just a tool and that tool yeah. allows me to do uh fun and creative things and I yeah. want to do more of it's, that. It's really interesting you say that cuz like I I try and say that too. It's like I'm not, I didn't do this for money. Like I didn't I didn't I could have stuck it out at my desk job and probably made more money at the end of the game. Like I could have played that game. Yeah. of of an office jockey. I could have played that really well. That's not what I, I'm doing this as a passion. And yeah. so like, I just really want to create shit for the community. Like I, that's really like, I just want to make cool shit for the community that hasn't been made. That's just like my goal. Yeah. So I think, like you said, like it's a tribe, it's a good way of putting it because I think people just naturally kind of click to whatever brand, right? You have the K2 or Honda about, you, you have those battles that go and whether they, they didn't put it out there, like it's us versus them. Like yeah. it's just the, the nature of things. Like people will click with any side that they, that fits them, that yeah. they like, like I like this, this is the whole Apple Samsung thing, right? Like uh, I like the usability and friendly, you know, it's just the way it is. So I think that you, you putting it like as it's a tribe, it makes sense. Yeah. You know? it, and there's, there's people that still to this day, they'll comment on one of our uh, quote-unquote competitors and say, you know, something downstairs better or whatever. And if they tag us, I'll, I'll say, yo, don't don't be bringing us into this shit, dude. Like, I want people to be able to have their product and our product at the same time. You know, that I don't want to make people choose. I don't want to have to have people pick. Yeah. You know, if, if, if they find value in their product, cool. If they find it value in our product, cool. But if those other competitors come out with some product, I'm not gonna look at it and say like, "Oh, that's a good idea. I'm gonna make something." Right. I don't care, dude. That's not that's not something that brings me happiness and, and enjoyment. That's more of like fighting and battling and seeing yeah. who's gonna be the biggest on top. Like, bro, there's so much fucking money in this world. Yeah, and you have to think like the industry that we are in, this Honda community. There's somebody in a hundred foot radius of us right now that doesn't give a fuck about Hondas that haven't even thought about Hondas, <laughs> yeah. you know, since they just seen the same way that we would think of like a, a Corolla or right. something, you know, I'm sure that there's a dedicated market to like Corollas. For sure there is. Yeah. But to me, that doesn't matter. So if I'm able to provide for my family, have a business and make my own schedule where I can do whatever I want to do. I don't have a boss that's down my throat. And there still be people out there that have no idea that Hondas even exist. Like this subculture of Hondas. Right. That that means that there's so much more opportunity out yeah. there. Yeah, there there definitely is. I mean, there's there's a huge. I mean, there's a thing. There's there's a market that hasn't even been discovered yet. Yeah. Like in in the honda community like how often do you see things come out and it's not very often but when something does come out, you're like nah, that's a good idea like that's crazy like never thought about that and that's super cool yeah and and so there's there's definitely money to be made in the in the industry in any industry right like yeah you can, you can i mean you see the silly stuff that people sell not just in the car community just around the world like there's so much money to be made and i think it's important not to focus on the money but bettering the community yeah like, that's how i look at it like if if, if I can bring something quality to the community and improve it, um, if leave it better than it was before I got here, right? The whole like, yeah, thing, that's just how I see it. Like if I can contribute in some way to, to make this better or offer something that somebody else is proud of having on their car, whether it's a show car or a track car or a race car, whatever, that's just, how, I just want to make other people happy as much as like 
because providing for your family right is the number one thing if you can do that while making other people happy that's a win-win yeah hell yeah you know that's that's a super win-win like a lot of um my buddy is in like uh the service industry like you know he does uh pest control he Mm -hmm. has a pest control company and it's it's people aren't necessarily enthusiastic about giving you money to have their house sprayed yeah for bugs they're it's just like that's like a burden Mm -hmm. you know and uh, he, he tells me about that all the time. Like there's a lot of people in the service industry like that where they're not necessarily happy to give you money for that service. It's just a necessity in a way. Yeah. Um, nobody's like happy to like give their gardener money to garden or whatever, or junk removal or whatever your name, your service industry like that. They're not happy to, in our industry, we're actually fortunate enough that people are like working hard for their money and they're happy to give it to us because it's going to bring them happiness. That's a, it's a very rare position. Yeah. You know, people aren't necessarily excited to spend money all the time, but to spend money on a product and then put it on their car, that's going to bring joy to them. It's, it's to me, that's like, that's like a super drive. Like when I send something to somebody and they get it and they send me a message back and they're grateful, they're like, dude, these look awesome. So much better in person. Like it, that's what keeps me going. Yeah. So it's cool to see that. Or like, I'm sure when you go walk around shows and you see your stuff on people's builds and it's a clean build, you're like, dude, that's like you, you executed those colors. Like, bam, like, yeah. you know, that's got to give you some sense of like fulfillment. Like yeah, it does, definitely. it does for me. Like, so I think, um, as long as you have that mentality, like that's the other knockoff companies. I don't think they have that mentality yeah. of satisfying your client. They have, that's ones and zeros for them. That's an order. That's money. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Come back again. Like for me or for you, I, it's not, it's a, it's a, I don't call, I, I call them clients. Like I think of them as clients, right? Yeah. Like, I hope to see you again. Like, I hope I satisfied you. And like, I want to make something for you in the future. And not just because I want your money, but because I want to make something for you. And so I think when you're walking around a, a show or an event and you're seeing stuff like that, like on, on those builds, especially like top notch, I mean, your stuff is on top notch builds. You know, it's, it's not just on every car. You're yeah. seeing that stuff on like cars in our magazines. I mean, I remember like when I got my, my stuff was like on a magazine. I was like, dude, that's crazy. Like for how quickly, like I got into this and like for it to be in a, on a, on a, that's crazy. You know, Phil, right? Like yeah. Phil Robles, uh-huh. his car's going to be in Gran Turismo, you know, it won the SEMA and like I had a part on there. I'm like, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, just like so quickly to get involved in this and like, in, in just luckily he was local, reached out to me. I went down there, I helped him, you know, install it on his car. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like this dude has like one of the cleanest EGs in the game. Yeah. And one of my parts is on there, you know, a couple now, but it's just crazy to see that, you know? And then like somebody else, it was in super street too. Yeah. It's in a magazine. Like that's like, it's my name is solidified now forever. For me as like being a car person from a young age and like always wanting one day I want to be a magazine. Unfortunately, super street's no longer going to be there, you know, (laughs) but, but it was a goal of mine. You yeah. Know? So to see stuff like that and like r- achieving those goals, it's it's crazy to see and be a part of in the community. And I'm sure you can attest to it too. How, how long have you like been into cars? Like, you know, mm, I mean, ever since I got one, you know, even before that I was just into cars, but it wasn't even Hondas. I was into muscle cars. Okay. So I still have my first, uh, this is my second car, a uh, 69 Chevelle. And okay. I still have it to this day. But um, I didn't get into Hondas till I moved to Nevada. It was probably about 2004. And actually, Raul from Checkered Sports is the one that got me into yes. Hondas. We were working together at Best Buy. And um, he was into Hondas. I was into um, muscle cars. And just working together, you know, you start to see other people's hobbies. And I liked it. And then I just got hooked on it. And then um, in 2009, so from 2000, 
probably 2004-ish, around there, to 2009, I was just growing my passion. And then I got my own car in 2009, uh, the right-hand drive, the one that I still have to this day. And that's when we started the business. So we've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. And, um, yeah, same thing, dude. I didn't expect it to get where, where it was where it's at now but now that it's here i'm trying to figure out the ways that we're going to maneuver for the next 10 years yeah and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to do the podcast it's a super know? smart idea man i mean it's Thank a, you. there's no downside to it there's no yeah i mean you get people get to know you more and more every day you get to connect that personal element and then you get to meet cool people you get to network yeah uh, it's just it's a no-brainer i mean then as like i said I don't know anybody else in the industry that's really doing one. Um, I mean, there's a couple of people that are YouTube personalities and yeah. stuff like that. Um, there's people that, uh, tr you know, do it that way. But I don't think there's any interactive. Is, is there anybody else that's necessarily doing like a podcast format like this? Uh, yeah, there's actually a, a couple guys. Um, most of them are more focused on just automotive and that's it. You know, putting themselves in that in that box, which is it's fine, yeah. you know, but the reason I did the podcast is because I had so many other passions that I wasn't even talking about or focusing on because my everyday was just about cars, you know, and one being podcasting. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of podcasts themselves. I've been last listening to podcasts for years and just hearing these conversations and hearing the value in, in yeah. them and just seeing a celebrity, a rapper or something like that, that I've always admired and just hearing their story it makes it seem more attainable it makes me relate to them a lot more yeah and i actually got started because i um i really liked the podcast that uh reed lundy was doing um do it for a living i don't know if you ever heard of that mm -hmm. reed is the owner of kaizen speed uh ks tuning um and um he had a podcast back in the day and he had like dave from skunk 2 okay. on there john from k tuned um brian from hasport and then just a bunch of other guys i believe sheepy was on there as well um and i would just listen to those podcasts and just hear those guys stories and it was just inspiring you know and then he, he stopped doing it and then i i just kind of went away from that because it wasn't even through a podcast form it wasn't on the app it was like through the website mm. so you would have to go to the website right. and check it out so it was kind of easy to to dismiss okay this project isn't going anymore so i'm right. not following that but then i started getting into podcasting i don't know what what it was that got me into it but then i would listen to comedian podcasts uh rap hip-hop culture podcast right. uh, motivation yeah. there's ones. so many like, yeah th that you can just you know fall into and then kind of love there's like a whole community behind yeah each and too. Then i i seen that as the honda community you know so it was its own sort of community so the more i listen to it the more i hear these guys talk about these guys and it's all in inner intertwined and then um, I was actually on a podcast, and that's um, the How It's Done podcast, and that's um, with uh, Christian Loza from Can I Beat. And we did the podcast actually in this room, and he brought all his equipment over in his backpack, and we did it. So I seen it from the ingredients to the final product. Right. And I was like, dude, I need to do something like this. Yeah. And um and then yeah man it, it's it's been so cool it's i've had so many conversations with people that i would have never had the opportunity to have a conversation with mm. maybe a five ten minute convo but you're talking 
two hours, three hours, sometimes even four hour conversations, mm. being able to pick these people's brains, dive into who they are, what makes them who they are. Yeah. And not only get that information for myself, but be able to put it out there for hundreds of people to yeah. listen to. You know, and now we'll get messages from people that are, you know, they're listening to it while they're working, right. um, while they're driving their semi trucks or whatever they're doing, man. And that's that's dope to me. Yeah, it, it, it's you're sharing your experience with everybody, which is it's just like the, the power of the podcast, you know, and people get to learn from uh, you and get to learn from your guests. Yeah. And then put it out there. It's funny because like I've been listening to podcasts forever, too. And. I've always kind of wanted to do one and I was just always thinking about weird ideas to do like cuz like there's so many podcasts that are done. Yeah. But like I had this idea for one it was just like I was going to like just like kind of live like do it uh people of like Walmart or something like yeah, that. <laughs> just yeah, like, you yeah. know, and not like in a bad way, but like where you would just random like at 2 in the morning, you'd be like at the gas station and Somebody would walk by, but hey, what's up, man? You want to have a conversation? Yeah. And just grab a random. And like, what are you doing at two in the morning? Like, what's going on? You going to work? You, you have you have 10 minutes to kill. And like, just do like a random one like that where you're oh, just dude, getting. That's a great idea. It, 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 I feel like because then you can just, you're getting so many random people and you have so many, and especially at like two in the morning. Because when I was working long hours, right, I would go to Chevron, like around my house and I would go there and I'd get a Red Bull at like two in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it would be like my break. I would drive there and like that was my like just breakaway. Like it was just dead quiet at two in the morning. You'd, you'd look around and there's just like one or two cars passing and you'd see the strangest people sometimes yeah. come in yeah. uh, or interesting people. You're like, what is this guy doing, you know? And and so I would be sitting there, you know, on my, like, my personal break that I'm giving myself, drinking my Red Bull at two in the morning, just seeing strange people come in yeah. or, or go into the gas station. I'm like, what is this guy doing? You know, I was like, this would be a cool thing to do or like even Walmart. Like I'd, I'd have to go run to get like some chip brushes or like some microfibers or something. I'd have to run to Walmart, the 24-hour one. And I'd always be just curious of the people that I'm seeing. What yeah. are you doing? Like, I know what I'm doing. It too. I'm, I'm grinding. I'm working. And what are you doing? Yeah. You know, like, what do you got going on? Maybe you're doing something crazy too. Yeah. For all I know, right? Yeah. So it's it's interesting. The guy that I had helping me out, um, for the, uh, he was coming a couple days a week. The way I met him was such a weird fluke occurrence. I was in Home Depot and I was looking for some like tubing. And I look over and he's like, are you following me? I'm like, no, <laughs> like I didn't even, I guess we crossed paths like twice in gotcha, Depot. Gotcha. And I was like, no, and he's like, oh, okay. And I was like, all right, right on man. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, like I blow glass. So uh-huh. he actually blows glass, you know, he, you know, makes pieces and stuff. I was like, oh, so he's like, I get these rubber garments and stuff like that. I was uh-huh. like, okay, cool. You know? And then like two days later, I'm at American Express and we crossed paths in the hallway. I'm like, no way, dude. I was like, you're from Home Depot? I was like, yeah. So we ended up working together yeah. at, at American Express. He worked at a different department. Oh, shit. But we worked at the same place. Yeah. And like, it was a random occurrence. So then we kind of became friends. And, uh, you know, he's like, he sees, he's blowing glass and he has his own thing going on, you know, and he was trying to get that to go. And then he sees what I'm doing. And then he was just like, hey, man, like, I see that you're kind of moving along here. Like, I'd like to come and learn. And yeah. like, so he's kind of passionate about it. He's like creative in his own way because like he blows glass and makes custom pieces and stuff like that. And he was like, oh, I'll come like work with you and like I want to learn what you're doing and stuff. So that's so he kind of came. But like I said, he's got he's got kids. He's got a family. He's in the boat that I was in where I had to sacrifice all that and quit my job. And I don't I don't expect him to do that. Yeah. Right. To throw everything away to go on this like rocky road with me yeah so he's not the best person maybe for it i need to find a younger person yeah or somebody, definitely you know, uh somebody that doesn't necessarily have so many so much to lose right somebody of my age or, or our age is you know they're established they have a life they have a family yeah 
it's a rocky road or a risky proposition to to risk it you know yeah. so so uh what podcast do you listen to uh i'm honestly do i mainly listen jre Joe, Joe got Rogan, you, you know got you. I, I mainly listen to that your mom's house is good too i listen to that one um that's with who uh, that's with uh, Tom Segura and Christina Pazinski. Got you, got you, got um, you. So, I mean, that one's, it's just wild, it's just wild, you know, yeah. so you get your comedy out of that. Um, I actually kind of slowed down on them because I was listening to Joe Rogan since day one. Yeah. So I've listened to every single one. Um, and then I kind of got off it for a little while, just, just kind of got off it just for a little bit because it was just kind of getting, uh overwhelming right like uh, just hearing i was kind of maybe repetitive in a way and mm. so i kind of backed off it for a little bit and then i just started picking it up like maybe like two months ago mm-hmm. started listening. i got off it for like six months it's not really like a big break but I, it was just for me it was just i was kind of maybe hearing the same thing i needed to break from it a little bit and then i, I started picking it back up and listening to it again i started listening to a couple of yours i wanted to you know see what's going on and what you guys are talking about and i was so i started listening to that one but podcast, I mean, like I said, from uh, JRE was like, I listened to that one for since day one. So yeah. that's so many episodes and so long. And like, he was doing three hour podcasts for like, <laughs> yeah. eight years or something. Yeah. Like that. It puts out so much content. So dude. much, right? And then, like you said, I mean, that's what he says too. He gets to see all the, meet these cool people and have these long conversations with them. So uh, hopefully, right, continue this on and then just get crazy. I saw you had some goals uh, you posted uh, about who you want to have in here. Which yeah. Which is cool. I mean, that's that's awesome to have those aspirations to get people yeah. to get in. No, who, definitely. Who was it that you had on there on on that list? Um, it was uh, TJ Hunt. Um, are you familiar with him? I've heard of him. Uh, TJ Hunt. He's a YouTuber. Okay. Uh, we've been working together for like the last couple years. Uh, dude, he's skyrocketing, bro. He's he's a hustler. I'd love to have him on. Um, uh, this guy uh, Mo Shalizi. He's the um, like the brains behind that DJ Marshmallow. Okay. Uh, he actually created that whole idea and everything. So the the DJ is just some some just a DJ, but yeah. they put together the whole marketing plan and everything, yeah. and that should skyrocket. I heard the he was he was actually a good DJ or something prior, mm-hmm. but wasn't getting recognized. Yeah, right? that's it. So it you know, like- so he so so the guy Mo he saw the saw his potential, had a vision, and they just killed it. And they actually even came out with marshmallows with chocolate inside of them so all you need is the graham cracker if you're gonna make s'mores yeah and then um yeah so i would love to pick that dude's brain and then it was waka flocka mm-hmm. the rapper because i love that's, waka. that's interesting why why him i'm just curious uh i've just always loved his music just ever his since music? day one okay. and um i've actually had a chance to sit down with him and talk with him for for quite a while it was probably like a half hour um it was at this warp tour that he was at they had this thing where meet your favorite artist and it was you pay 25 bucks and you get to go backstage and they have a little 10 by 10 tent yeah and you just sit there and for an hour you get to just ask questions and me just being so curious i was the one that was asking a lot of the questions because everybody else was just kind of shy so yeah i i was able to talk to him and just see like damn this dude's really cool guy and just to see his growth from the beginning to where he's at now is something that i admire and i'd love to you know talk to him and the last person oh the last person was uh, xavier wolf are you familiar with him no he's another rapper as well um he's from memphis and he moved out here to uh to socal and he's into cars as well uh bmws and 
like the Nissan drifting and things like that. Yeah. But I really enjoy his music and his like movement, his tribe. I, right. I love that. I love I love how he is, how he performs, and how cool he is. I've met him a few times, dude. Just such a cool guy, you know. And it's just all those dudes I would love to have a conversation with. But granted, you know, I I know that it's scheduling and a lot of these guys you can't just get to them right with a dm so in due time you yeah. know I, I feel every episode of the podcast i do is just training for me right getting me ready for that big game whenever that comes sure up. and it gets you out right like i mean my i don't think a lot of my followers transition into your followers and same thing with yeah. like with raul from checkered sports like um we linked up and we talked he's a cool person you know but a lot of his followers don't translate into my followers it's you have a, a an older generation i think yeah um so does he and i think i have a lot of newer generation people just because like the, i'm working on a lot of ninth gen and newer vehicles yeah. and stuff like that but um so anytime that you link up with somebody new you're potentially inheriting definitely whether it's one or a hundred or a thousand followers you're inheriting those people that like your style and um you know want to be part of your tribe if you want to say yeah no definitely and like i was saying before about um you know comp competitions other companies that sell similar products like there's no reason that somebody from from their tribe can't be in our tribe as well like we can all work together and with this podcast i want to be like the biggest podcast in the automotive community but not even focused towards podcasting right you know i want i want people in the future to be like oh whoa he does car stuff too you know the only reason that we have so many car guests on is because this is the industry that i've been in for 10 plus years this is where all my relationships are yeah but this isn't my end all be all you know i've i've had pro skaters on here before rappers on here before uh locals on i've had you know just personal friends and I feel like if, as long as we could have a conversation together, somebody's gonna find the value in it. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 networking with with, so bringing anybody on, it's it's bringing that network to the web, right? I mean, yeah. So even if it's just a friend of yours that might not have a business, might not do anything, but his thoughts and opinions come across, and they translate into somebody else being able to perceive that in a way that is beneficial to them. Yeah. Whether it's his positive experiences, negative experiences, the, that thing transitions, and that's one thing I think about listening to long format podcast and uh, any and no, it doesn't matter what type of podcast it is right. That's what I got out of like the Joe Rogan experiences. It, you're not listening to it for his comedy, right? You're yeah. Not, you're not listening it to, but he brought in his initial network of people like you're doing, um, of comedians and stuff like that, and then just then he eventually got to bring on Doctor Phil, right? Yeah, like yeah, just, yeah. You know, these people, and so you get this crazy spectrum of people, whether it's you know John Anthony West or these you know these people that he's bringing on. That it's it's funny because that network of people actually is the same network as the comedy. Like, so your automotive interests are the same network as whether it's DJ Martin, you know, whether it's that community. They somewhat have a tie. Maybe not all of them, but ten percent love cars, definitely, and they also love music. So they're gonna listen to this because he's on it. And they're like, oh, now I know about this podcast. He talks about cars. He also talks about this and that. So it's it's this weird mesh network, right? Like you're not solely focused on cars your entire life yeah neither am i i i love i, I love astronomy i love uh, i love astrophysics i love crazy stuff like that so like one of the podcasts i listened to when he asked i totally spaced on it but it's because it's dry most people won't listen to it it's astronomy 101 102 mm -hmm. it's just a college lecture courses of of astronomy and gotcha. it just teaches you like just crazy stuff and like i was i was working at a warehouse i had the thing on for you know 12 yeah. 13 hours a day 
just listening to about stuff that people don't care about, like a, what's a parsec and all this crazy <laughs> yeah. stuff. But it was interesting to me, and I learned so much of it. Um, so when all these guests, like he brings on, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, yeah. I'm like that that touches me in a way that it might not his other part of the audience, but there's ten percent of his audience that probably loves astronomy yeah. and astrophysics. And then he brings Neil deGrasse Tyson on. So now they love comedy and astrophysics. So he's bringing all these portions of people in that touch in so many different ways, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's where the value is. You know, he's, he's doing the show how he wants to do it. It, it doesn't matter about sponsors or anything like that because he still has his comedy. He's right. killing it with the comedy. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm trying to see how all of these big podcasters are doing it. And most of them have other, side hustles that they're doing but this is another project of theirs so while we're doing this downstar is still running i'm not taking away from that to do this this is just some other entity that i'm building you know right. and it's i don't see them i don't see joe rogan or you know joe budden or adam 22 or all these guys that have podcasts i don't see them as like something i can't be right i just know that they're in the positions because they took it seriously. Right. So that's why I had to take it seriously. Yeah. So doing two podcasts a week, that's that's going to help us get to that level quicker because it's just like baseball practice, you know? Yeah. If you want to be in the pros, you have to practice, practice, practice. You can't just take a week off. Yeah. You know what's funny is that if you look at um, – somebody like like joe rogan for example podcasting wasn't really big yeah prior to him definitely so he he brought that platform and he actually built it off of not his name because he wasn't really known for much mm -hmm. and i hate you know i don't like keep talking about like joe rogan but um because I, I i'm a fan of his right and i feel like it probably gets brought up a lot anybody who's on a podcast he's the god man right he, yeah he is right because he 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 started it and he didn't start it off of name like okay so if, if, if you drop a new product right as downstar you kind of have a name yeah. to build that off of, right? Like you, you're, you, Downstar is releasing your LCAs. Yeah. It gives you a little bit of a leg up than John's LCAs. You don't, nobody yeah. knows John. He's just bringing a new product. Even if they're the same exact product. The same exact thing. You have a leg up, right? So like when I, I dropped keychains, I, I had a leg up because I already had my name out there. Yeah. So people were like, oh, he's making these keychains. And something so small as a keychain. Um, but he built something without necessarily having a name he literally just started talking if you listen to the first ones they're kind of shit yeah you know they're it's a shit show listening to them you know it's it's chaos yeah so um if you now you look at other people who are joining the podcast world they already have these names and that's why they're getting going it's much harder to to develop something from the ground up yeah so with your with downstar having a name and it, it helps you get in yeah right? it helps it helps you um at least get you have people to talk to right like if you're nobody necessarily or you don't have anything going for you or any followers or anything like that because this is a social platform you yeah know, podcasting is so so you have to have something of so it's harder i guess to develop something if you don't have followers yeah. or any like you if you're just hey my name's brad i'm gonna start a podcast i'm like who the fuck is brad why yeah, do i yeah, care yeah. about what you're saying um but you you have this leverage in a way of people that you know this network and you can utilize it to give information to the community which is awesome i mean i guess i'll say it again it's just there's no downside to this whatsoever and yeah I, I was excited to come on and talk to you because i'm like this is perfect he's somebody that's been in the honda community uh for a long time he started pretty much from the ground up uh he's been around forever he knows the ups and downs and the struggle i'm like i'm i'm new to this i'm not i haven't been in a long time i've been part of the honda scene for a while not the 
business side of it but i've been part of i'm like he's a perfect person to kind of just talk to and pick your brain a little bit about you know how yeah. was it for you going and stuff like that so this is great it, it is man i really love it and i get to talk to people like, like you we've never met before you know i never even knew what you look like yeah. before but just to be able to sit here and have this conversation uh this is it's super refreshing you know and it, it makes me feel like there's endless possibilities for this podcast because if i could sit with somebody that i have no idea who they are and have you know an hour and a half two hour conversation like that skill is going to transition over to so many other things and when i see all these other podcasts and i see them and i I don't think of it as an unattainable goal i just say okay we have the same type of skills but you're at this level because you've been doing it longer you have a bigger network right so i need to get to that point you know i always say this i say there's a lot of people that podcast there's a lot of podcasters but not a lot of people can podcast yeah you know and i've listened to you know celebrities podcast and i'm you know they have a huge network and people who know who they are i'm just like yeah i would have probably asked a different question i would have i would have approached it a different way i would have done something differently and i feel like i have the right to say that because I'm not rapping. You're not rapping. Right now, we're on the same field. Right. You're talking and you're having a conversation and you're trying to make it interesting. Yeah. I'm doing the same thing. So I, I feel like it's a new skill that I, I found that I want to hone in on that puts me in, in an even playing field with all these other people that if you were to look at our aspects of life that we wouldn't be on the same field. You know, such as somebody like, uh, are you familiar with Ben Baller? so ben baller he's he's a jeweler and he's been in the music industry and things like that that. yeah 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 so um he has his own podcast and i always listen to it and i'm just thinking like you know this guy's fucking multi-millionaire he has all these connects and knows all these people but when it comes to podcasting i feel like his skills are inferior to my skills and not knocking him at all sure but it just makes me think if we're we're now on kind of some kind of common ground so there's a possibility that we can link up sometime in the future because of this common ground that we're in because we would have never linked up before because i don't do jewelry i don't know anything about jewelry you know i'm not a millionaire i don't i'm not part of that lifestyle we're not going to run into each other at like diddy's birthday right (laughs) but when it comes down to this podcasting stuff this is totally different right you know and sooner or later things are gonna even out to where where they're supposed to be sure you know going on skill wise yeah. you know because even if somebody has a podcast they have a big name they have a big following sooner or later it's it's gonna trickle down to where their skill should be naturally because not a lot of people are gonna invest time in in their um in their day to listen to this podcast if it's not good right no matter if it's yeah ben baller it doesn't matter or if it's ti or whoever right if they're not interesting i'm like eh, yeah. i don't want to listen to this i'm gonna listen to yeah. my I've, favorite i've podcast. listened to a bunch of podcasts like i mean neil degrasse tyson star talk like for whatever reason i've listened to quite a few episodes but it's just not something that engages yeah. my interest permanently like he's great to have as a co-host but it's it's something about it like 
and that's saying something because I listened to a dry astronomy lecture. Yeah. But um, it, it's there's just something that's just not there, whether it's too zany or goofy or whatever the case is. It's just if it doesn't translate into something that – and it's not a bad or a good thing. It's just that might work. Look at – I mean, there's certain podcasts that have hundreds of thousands of downloads. And you're just like, I would never listen to that. But there's obviously the people that are. So yeah. there's 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 just – it clicks with somebody, you know. So – what you're saying is is that uh, you're you're going to do this and you're going to gain the experience to be on that level playing field and that's no different than anything you're you're acquiring a skill and a craft of conversation uh in in this form right like yeah. it it is and especially with new somebody new like you you got to you got to be able to sit down with that person feel them out and ha- and be on the same playing field or in conversation to make it engaging for you and for the audience. It's definitely a skill that's acquired, and not a lot of people can converse in that way with with rent or find common ground to even converse on. Which for you, you're not just trying to do in the automotive industry. You're trying to bring on people that are not even in your industry yeah. and find this common ground. Whether you know he could be the, the number one hairstylist, and you're like, all right, bring him in, let's talk. Exactly. That's rough, right? For you initially, right, until you kind of you know feel that out. Like for some people, it's a lot harder than others, but a lot of people can. Word, you do hair. Like what's 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 crazy about like you know and just kind of feel them out and then have this good conversation that people want to listen to. It's it's a, definitely a skill that's acquired and it's it's admirable to see somebody in your position start doing that. Yeah. You know? Thank you, man. I appreciate it, dude. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people it's it's not as easy as it looks. Yeah, no. Just sit down and just like you know you're just like you start talking, especially like somebody you've never met. It's a little bit easier, I think, for us because. I, like I, I've never met you, but we have a common ground to, yeah, to talk on. Yeah, no, you know? definitely, man. And, and then you got to just throw yourself out of that comfort zone sometimes. Like I had this guy on uh, that was a professional boxer, and he's actually boxing tomorrow. And um, I had him on from a recommendation from another person. Mm-hmm. So I never met him. I didn't know anything about him, you know. But we we had an awesome conversation, and that's that's the skills that i want to hone in on i want to make it more difficult for myself so i can i can figure out how to maneuver with somebody that i've never met that does something that i'm not really even familiar with i have to figure out i have to make them i have to make them relaxed i have to make them feel comfortable i have to make them want to talk about these things to me ask the right questions to bring out the the information from them so i have all of these things that i'm trying to figure out and uh i think that's kind of what's going to make this podcast work yeah in the future yeah it's just building on that foundation yeah i I think you got a a solid a solid base and a solid you know you got a a great setup in here right it's not thank you it's not awkward right it's nice in here you got a good setup good home feel um it makes you feel connected so i I think you got a good start to it man and and it's it's great for somebody like me new in the community to be able to come yeah and and just network with you in a way and see what you got going on here and stuff dude it's super cool definitely and when this does come out that we'll have your followers listen to it and then they'll be able to look at your brand differently sure they'll get a little more of an insight that maybe they didn't have before yeah, yeah no absolutely you know that's something you know a human element. i don't really bring out this personal aspect there's not really a form like i've done a few live videos explaining things uh but how many people see that live video before it's gone yeah this is permanent right this yeah is, this definitely is, this is out there for people to see um and and kind of get a feel of who that is and that's i think that's good for any business owner or anybody to to for Anybody that's in the industry, no matter what it is, whether you're a DJ or whether you're in the automotive industry, for people to kind of get an insight of who you are, unless you're a douchebag, then it'll <laughs> yeah. come out. Right? Like, yeah, it'll come out. Like, like, dude, that guy's a dick. Like, 
It's true. And and people will probably still watch this and be like, yeah, he's kind of fucking weird. But I, and it is what it is. You know, yeah. like, it's just, I am who I am. And I that's not masked by anything. I didn't come in here. Two hours, dude, you're going to you're gonna feel that fucker out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be fake. Yeah. You know, so it, it's perfect for somebody to come on. I think the only people that are not going to come on a podcast like this is people that just don't want you to know if they're shady or... And I think I've run into that issue already. Oh, people really? that are just, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. And I, I've started to think that maybe this isn't the information that they want to have out. Yeah. Maybe... Maybe they've heard some podcasts and they know that things get a little deep or, you know, some certain questions are asked and maybe that that doesn't work with the image that they're putting out at the moment. I I totally understand that, you know. And, um, it's, it's rough, man. And, and like I said, I was like, I don't, and, and anything's game. Like, I don't, it is what it is. If, if anybody has any questions, I'll yeah. answer anything. I don't, it's, it's, there's no reason to hide anything. And I, some people might be in certain situations where you have to, I don't know, but I feel like I'm coming I'm I'm ready for that. Like yeah. I'm ready for any question, right? Like it, yeah. it's just, it's just the way it is. I, I think that if you're honest and if you're true and natural, right it'll come across yeah if you're fake it won't it just it you'll most people see through it i, I would <laughs> yeah. hope so anyway yeah. right so yeah it's it's crazy man i mean it, i'll tell you what though the traffic getting here <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm not a fan I, I don't miss the california traffic dude <laughs> it took what two hours and 30 minutes to come from rancho Damn, santa margarita bro. two hours and 30 minutes and there wasn't even that bad of traffic i'm dreading the drive back down there yeah well, at least crazy. you could listen to a podcast on I, the way I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely will i was listening to one on the way here man because you know podcast is great for when you're driving like that yeah sometimes i try and listen to a podcast when i'm working and it's hard because you try you want to listen it's not like music you can kind of just drown stuff out yeah and not care what's yeah. going on but like damn what they say i need to rewind like i want to hear what i just, just zone that out i find myself rewinding so many times yeah. i'm like just, i just gotta listen to this do you again. listen to any educational podcast um not really i think the education that i'm really looking looking into is like um more of the stuff that that we do entrepreneur things um going against the grain and just making shit happen you have know? you listened to the gary vaynerchuk podcast yeah um i i like gary v i like what he's doing sometimes the message that he tries to put off i really don't receive it as as yeah. well um i do listen to uh you know andy Fursella. i haven't heard him no. uh you need to look up andy Fursella. he had a podcast uh it's still up it's called the mf ceo and it's basically it's probably like two three hundred episodes of him talking about his life as a entrepreneur coming from not making anything for 10 years of his business to being a hundred hundred millionaire yeah and he he puts off the the message that i receive a lot better yeah than than gary v does yeah, gary v's podcast just doesn't click with me the way it's done it's in this weird question format or like yeah. it, it's not it's not actually a podcast of him it's more so like what's going on yeah it's just like a mic in his conference room kind of deal. yeah I, I don't vibe well with that some of his content is great and he does have good messages but you're right there are some messages that uh, uh he he puts out it's more like you know someone's like hey like um, i'm having struggles in my business and he's like just fucking do it i'm like yeah that doesn't really help like, it doesn't really that's help. the problem it doesn't really help right like it does help for somebody right somebody's like yeah dude why don't i just fucking do it and then they'll take that and receive it in a better way but somebody might be looking for a little bit more technical advice yeah. on, on like their struggle and it doesn't it doesn't transfer over 
but some of his shit does. Uh, yeah, and I, I really love what he's doing. You know, I wish him the best, and some of the things that he does do, I, I take notice of it, yeah, but yeah. there needs to be more than that. Yeah. You know, if somebody were to ask me, you know, I just want to, I don't know what to do to start my, to start it. Yeah. Just do it. Just fucking do it. Just fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the start of it, but that really doesn't help me It does. Much. It makes sense. Like, it makes sense, right, c- coming from my perspective. I just fucking did it. Like, yeah. if you look at it retrospectively and step back, like, what did I do to start? Well, I just kind of bought some fucking clay and did it. Yeah. Sure, you can tell some of that, but, like, what they're probably really asking is a little bit deeper than that. Like, I don't know what the fuck to do, so what do I do, you know? Yeah. It's kind of one of those things. So, I, I listened to Andy Fursella. Um, as far as motivational stuff, I feel like I'm kind of past that as far as like getting the ship going. Right. I'm more focused on what to do when you have uh, creative downtime, creative blocks that you can't get past. Uh, The stress of balancing home, work, life, and and realistic things like that. And uh, Andy Frisella, he focuses a lot on those kind of things. So if if you list some of the the Gary Vee shit, though, if you listen to some of those ones, they're really dry. Like I said, it's like in a conference room, and it's just like a a fly on the wall. Yeah. Some of them. They do talk about... um, you know, the, the, the evolving structure of social media and like how to adapt to it and yeah. stuff like that. So do you, are you, do you participate in any of the new shit like TikTok or, yeah. or Snapchat and um, stuff like that? Snapchat, no. TikTok, yes. I really want to focus a lot more on TikTok, but we already have the pages and I have some stuff uh, on there. You know, I, I feel like that right now it's more towards like the Vine style making funny videos. It is, but yeah. it's if anybody just looks at it as a platform, this is a platform with videos to upload. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the benefit of it is it's not throttled. It's not um it's not algorithm based as far as Instagram and Facebook is. Yeah. So you can definitely have an a regular person can have a video that goes viral. Right. And the the TikTok following is real because I listen to a lot of podcasts and they've been talking about TikTok and you'll see a song that came out in 2015 and now it's on the charts because it was popular on TikTok. People are trying to find the song. It's it's weird. Like I downloaded it not that long ago and I started looking at it. And I mean, it is just a content. Like I can just start posting videos or pictures like I normally do or whatever videos. Um, but it, it's interesting because you can bring in a demographic of people that you wouldn't get on any, any platform. Yep. It's the younger generation that's moving up. So from a po- podcast growth standpoint, it's great. You can post snippets and shit on there, I'm sure. Um, There's can- actually a couple, sorry to cut you off, but there is a couple automotive companies that are, are thriving on there. Uh, one being Throttle. I'm not sure if you're familiar mm-hmm. with them. They have a, a YouTube base and they, they sell parts and things like that, but they have a, a big following on TikTok now. Okay. And so does um, Premium Auto Style they do raps okay and uh you know they'll they'll post videos of them doing raps yeah. and things like that and the content gets received very well yeah it's perfect i mean they have the music going while they're rap while they're rapping the car and mm-hmm. stuff like that you, you can absolutely tailor it to it i was just curious on on, on your expansion definitely because it, it is going to bring in a younger younger generation of potential clients by u- utilizing that tool yeah right? it's another tool i think me being focused on other aspects besides the automotive community such as you know like the the hip-hop culture mm-hmm. you know the the motivational space um seeing what all of these guys are doing and implementing it into the automotive community i feel like we're on the forefront of a lot of those things that are going to be popular in 2021 2022 you know i think next year so many other people are going to start podcasting yeah. which which is awesome 
because right. I want the advertisers to to be aware of the automotive community and to see it. Yeah. And then that'll transition over to us because we're already, you know, 128 episodes in to right. it. So I think um I think there's a lot of value in it, not only podcasting, but you know, TikTok and just being on the forefront of those new things that are coming out and not being afraid to step out of your comfort zone. There's companies that are solely focused on Facebook marketing. I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but I mean, to be honest, I don't really give a fuck about Facebook. Yeah. That's 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 like old technology to me, but it's hard. It, it, Facebook's hard. I mean, there's so much pandering and and um just back and forth on it. Yeah. It's it's really hard. It's a mix of old heads and 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 younger kids. It's it's really it's super hard. The newer stuff's interesting to me on where it's going to go. Where where do you see the car community in 10 years? Since you've been in it 10, um, where do you see it 10 from now? I see it still thriving, man. I see there being uh companies that are focused on just reproducing uh OEM parts and I see that that being a huge industry in the future. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, like Jags and Summit Racing. Yeah. Those are tailored towards uh, muscle cars, the hot rod era. I feel like we're going to have something like that as well where you can go to that that website and you can get a Downstar. You can get a Rywire products or you can get an OEM rear quarter panel for an EF Yeah, because there's no reason why it can't be reproduced. If you can make an OEM quarter panel for a 69 Chevelle, right. you can do it for an EF and I'm sure you could do it a lot easier right so i see this market thriving in that way and the issues and the problems that we have going on in our community it's not unique to our community it's the entire world sure. is going through these sort of changes uh the the rap hip-hop community i i can i can say that they're going through the same issues that we're going you know the older heads not wanting to to change and conform to the newer way of things. The newer guys coming in with their um, lack of, of skill and, you know, they're, they're getting popular out of nowhere for like, you know, one hit or something like that. Yeah. And I could see the same thing in the automotive community, but the, the, the cream always rises to the top, you know, and there's always going to be something for someone and the bigger that this industry gets no matter if it's knockoff companies it's young guys coming out with their new businesses or whatever it, it's all feeding the entire community and it's all helping it grow yeah. you know so i feel the way that we're going to survive in the next excuse me the next 10 years is to be on the forefront of the new technologies coming out um not being stuck in our old ways and in embracing the new generation, the new kids and hearing what they have to say, because my time's done. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not in my early twenties no more in my teens where I used to go to meets, go to street races and stuff. Yeah. That's not my generation no more. This is their, this is their time. This is their generation. And I don't want them to look at me like a old head. Who's just a hater right. and not wanting them to be themselves. Go ahead, dude, you know, do your thing. And if you guys need help in the future with with any problems that you're going through, I want to be the guy that they look at because I never had that guy. Sure. I never had somebody that I can ask questions and talk to. And when we were on the come up, there were so many people that could have reached out to us and be like, hey, instead of doing it like this, maybe try doing it like this and you'll make more profit or whatever. Right nobody ever reached out to me and when we were going through through growing pains no one ever reached out they were just watching and you, that's it do you uh, see um ev technology hindering the automotive community 
I mean, it's just going to be a new technology and we have to embrace it because that's the way that it's going to go. Um, a lot of these big companies, you know, Ford, Chevy, um, they're going to focus on that. That's going to be the future, like combustible engines that we're used to now. Sure. That's going to go away. It's yeah. it's natural. It's so for go modding, away. right? Like, how do you see? I know it's going to move, like, obviously, technology wise, right? Like, people, they'll figure out ways to get more power from the ECU and in the battery technology. They'll figure yeah. out ways around it. But like for modification, do you still, do you still think people are doing the type of modifications that they're doing now? Or do you think that that's going to alter and change into a completely different new industry? Like, I, I mean, it just depends on these companies if they're willing to make those changes, such as say somebody who it would affect more than myself would be like a uh, Rywire, right? Uh -huh. Wiring harnesses. Okay, sure. now I got to figure out how to work on this but he's already starting to do ev stuff his, when i speak with him his mind with ev is just going and he has crazy stuff that he's going to be coming out with so it just it people are going to get left behind and that's their fault you sure. know i used to work at best buy and i seen best buy last through good guys last through circuit city because those dudes never changed their models their their signage their stands their their product placement looked the same since the early 90s yeah. Yeah, yeah. so if that's if that's your idea you're out dude right you're out if you don't know how to change if your business model isn't fluid and you're trying to figure out new things you're out. You're right. Your time is done, and you're gonna have to work for one of these companies now. Sure. And yeah. it's just, uh, it's just being a hustler. You got to know, okay, when the when the game changes, I got to change with the game, yeah. and I got to see where I I fit in with it. It's interesting, man. Are you, are you excited for the electric vehicles to to hit? Or I mean, to me, it really doesn't matter because it's not really gonna change the hardware portion of it. You right. know, most of the stuff that we do isn't engine based besides the dress up hardware part of it and i'm sure that we'll figure out some way sure to do it i mean like your personal experience like like driving like do you are you, have you driven have you been in i haven't no i haven't okay but um just seeing how fast those cars go in zero to 60 i'm already excited about that <laughs> yeah, you know here. so it there there's until these cars that we have now are banned or they don't sell gasoline anymore then I'm going to start worrying about it. Yeah. But at this point, whatever, just throw some other stuff in it. Like if Tesla wants to come out with a car zero to 60 in one second for 50 grand. Yeah. I'm not going to look down on that. Right. I'm going to be like, fuck yeah, let me go get yeah, that yeah. car. You know? Yeah. So it's just a mentality thing. I think if people don't change their mentality, then they're going to be stuck in that time. So if you're thriving right now, maybe in 10 years, you're not going to be thriving. And if you're not looking towards the future, that's your fault. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see what what comes in the in the automotive industry. There's a lot of change that's gonna happen, and it's interesting you say like the uh, like Jag style magazine yeah, and stuff. Definitely, like that. I see I see that really happening. Like it makes it makes complete sense to have complete restoration for older cars. It, it's been something that's been popular in the uh, mu muscle car, so that's something that I definitely see happening. And then the electric vehicles, I'm very curious to see how that implements into the car culture and how yeah. people adapt to it, right? Are they going to apply the same modifications or is it going to transition to a completely different style of modifications? Because there's not necessarily going to be engine dress-up hardware, like you said. They're, are they going to change wires? Something. Like, are they going to make like the, the, the cables look different? Like what, 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 is, what is the actual modifications going to be to those vehicles? Most of the interior looks completely plain in those, yeah. in those cars, right? It's not, it doesn't look the same. 
what are they going to do? Like, how are they going to modify it in that way? Like in the interior, are they going to still put racing seats? Like it just, it's, it's curious to think about how it's going to transition or is it going to transition to like this weird modern style of like where they want your car to just look sleek and modern. Maybe yeah. like LEDs are going to be more popular, more Tron style shit. How is the car culture going to shift yeah. to this electric vehicles? And because it's coming, it's just a matter of transitioning and it might not happen this decade, but for sure in the next decade, yeah. in 20 years, I couldn't see the culture shifting. It's changed drastically from like, I mean, if you look at lowriders and shit that like, and, and even early tuning of Honda vehicles and stuff on how the body kits were and everything was so wild. Yeah. And then you're almost seeing kind of a, 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 a throwback to that now with these wide body kits that are kind of starting to come around again. Yeah. In, as far as modifying. Um, but then now you can already see that going away and then going back to the more sleek, just like not crazy modified look. How's it going to transition yeah. in another decade or two decades when EV really comes into play and it becomes everybody has a Model 3 or Ford has their new, you know, the E-Mustang. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's, what's really going to happen to the car scene and how are, how are companies going to adapt to support customers in wanting to express themselves through their cars? Yeah. It's interesting to, to think about. I mean, I, I think about that shit all the time. Like, yeah, definitely. And I, I think that, you know, a company like uh, yours or mine is still going to find a place in yeah. it somehow. You know, you just have to be that kind of person. I think when companies fail, it's not because of the market. Companies fail because of the the person running it didn't have the foresight to see what was actually happening. Sure, like you have a, a performance company, um, Skunk Two PRL or something like that, that's doing engine modifications to it. Well, when there's no longer a combustion engine, are are, you, are, are do they have the foresight right now? Are they already, or are they just going to cash out and walk away? Yeah. Or are they going to transition into, okay, so Honda is dropping their new EV vehicle. What can we do to help facilitate the community of modifications? Yeah. Whether it's a computer, like is, is Honda going to take over or is is K-Tuner going to take over that industry now because everything's going to be done via computer or electronics? Yeah. Or will those other companies step in and provide some type of way to help the vehicle perform better in that, in that aspect you know it's very interesting a lot of companies could fall yeah or rise to the occasion and it's just like anything man that could happen at this very moment you know if people don't change their business model in 2020 things can things can change sure you know so it's interesting man but to be able to make a, a full-time job out of it like yourself like that's something that's that's uh very unique you know, and a lot of people can't really experience that. So it's cool that for the products that you're making to be able to make your full time, that's a blessing in its own, you know? Yeah, I'm very grateful. Thank you, man. Yeah, of course, dude. But, um, man, Brad, it was so good to have you on here, bro. Good job, Frank. Um, before we get out of here, it, can you let everybody know where to find you at? Uh, so Instagram, um, is Aerospec Racing, uh, or at Aerospec Racing. Uh, Facebook, same thing, at Aerospec Racing. Uh, those are the only two platforms that I'm on social media. I have TikTok, but I don't really have that set up yet. Yeah, so there's yeah, nothing yeah. really to follow. If I do post, it'll be on Instagram or Facebook showing a link to it. Uh, I do have an Etsy as well. It's in my, um, uh, description on my IG. So Sweet. there's some stuff on there. So dope, man. I wish you the best, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thank man. you. Thanks for All right, on. guys. Once again, downtime with downstar episode 128 and we out. Peace. Bye.